welcome to the Laura Dames podcast. I'm Ashley. I'm Susie. I'm Alicia. And we are here to talk to you today about Cinder by Marissa Meyer, mm-hmm. which I'm going to give the spoiler alert. Holy crap, I've remembered. I never remember. Uh, <laughs> this book is great. We're going to talk about it in a little bit after we do a little bit of housekeeping items slash catching up, but it is kind of a retelling of Cinderella. It is uh, futuristic. It is sci-fi. It is great. Uh, but if you have not read it and you're just thinking, this sounds fun, it is fun. But please read the book or else we're just going to spoil it for you and you will be upset. And you should be upset because it's a great book. It's a great read. And we're about to talk about all of it. So if you haven't read it, stop. Stop now. <laughs> if you proceed past here, you will have it read. So don't do that. <laughs> So, spoiler alert, out of the way. Woo! How has, thank you. How has everyone been? I've been doing good. Yeah, good. Hanging in there. Trying to. Trying to. Escaping Um, into good book reads, you know? What'd you say? I said escaping into good book reads for entertainment. Thank God. Mm -hmm. Yes, that, no, absolutely. Um, I've mostly just been watching TV. (laughs) TV. We're going to talk about TV because I've watched too much. So I have like a list of talking points of things like to catch up on. So first, Alicia and I uh, just covered that Susie is not yet caught up and we're not going to talk about it anyway, because if you have not read it, I want you to read it and I don't want to like spoil anything for you. But the Lore Olympus season one finale has been posted. It is up. I post, it posted like, I think what, this 14th of June or 16th of June, whatever that whatever that Saturday was for us in the States is when it went up. Um, it was super good. It was dramatic. And I'm excited for more um, when it comes back in August at some point. So. Really good. I'm excited. Um, I follow the creature, the creature, the creator, <laughs> the creature. Uh, so I'm going to refer to myself now. Uh, the creator, Rachel Smythe, on uh, the, like the Patreon and the Instagrams and the uh, Twitters. And as I kind of was guessing, because it's the same way I would be, uh, she took like a week or two off and now she's working again on season two. So, yay. So super excited for that. Uh, we are on Zoom, I should clarify. Uh, we are being responsible and we are not together. Um, and the fun thing about Zoom is that like all of our pets can make an appearance. So mm-hmm. Alicia's dog Sophie is currently in frame and being super cute. <laughs> yes, she is. She wants all the attention because of course now I'm not giving her specific attention. <laughs> right. She's like, I see that you're doing something that doesn't involve me. Let me include myself. <laughs> um, so other things like, thank God for Netflix, you know what I mean? <laughs> and other streaming service platforms. Um, but I last night watched the Eurovision Song Contest Fire Saga movie. I don't know if anyone else has watched this. I mean, it came out yesterday. Like, literally yesterday was the first day you could watch it. Um, was that with Will Ferrell? It's the Will Ferrell movie with Richard <laughs> Adams. Yeah. they play Icelandic singers that try and make it in the Eurovision contest. And they're, they're called Fire Saga. So it's like literally... <laughs> Um, and if you like Will Ferrell, and you like singing, because there's so much singing, um, it was super good. And Dan Stevens is in it, Susie. He's the bad guy, right? He's like a bad guy in every movie I watch these days. 
I won't say if he's a bad guy because oh, okay. he looks like he was maybe a dick or something. He looks like it because he plays a Russian pop star, so I think he just kind of has like a bad guy vibe. Yeah, but I won't say if he's actually a bad guy or not. Uh, but it was it was hilarious, and his singing was like funny because I feel like he was singing almost with an accent, like it was very like whoa kind of singing. Um, but I loved it. I was still there for all of it. So good to know. I'll have to check it out. But he was fantastic in it. So he's very funny. So departure from Beauty and the Beast. Well, and the last thing I watched with him was White Fang. So. Oh, uh, I didn't know he was in White Fang. Do you mean The Call of the Wild? That's the one. Yeah. yeah. I was like, when did they remake White Fang? <laughs> I know. I was also wondering. I was like. I'm wondering <laughs> if I have warm memories as a kid of White Fang. Mm-hmm. And not Call of the Wild or whatever it was, because I thought I loved Call of the Wild. Mm-hmm. And I watched it with my kid, and something terrible happens, and I didn't remember that. And then my child was unconsolable, and it was bedtime, and that was fun. I'm so and, sorry. That's unfortunate. So, if I, you have a good movie to watch with your kids, uh, look it up first. Yeah, Google it. Just do Google. Um, or read the book. I think, I don't know if I read the book. I feel like I read the book as a child. I know I saw like the 90s version of the movie. Um, yeah, I've seen the 90s version of the movie and I felt like we read it in school. I feel like we read it. I've it's never Jack read White Fang, but I own it. So I think I it's by Jacqueline. Read it. So yeah, I, yeah, basically like with uh, my stepdaughter, I have a rule where like if I know it's going to be a sad movie with a dog, I will not. I will not. I mean, it looks fine. Nothing happens. Oh. That's good. But you know what I mean? Like anytime there's like a dog centric movie, I'm like, there's like a 99 point chance that dog's going to die. And that's the emotional like climax of the movie is your heart being like ripped out of your soul and then like thrown into traffic. You know what I mean? Pretty rough. There is like the uh, Milo Ventimiglia movie that I didn't watch. Um, and because he's like a race car driver, I don't know. But like there was a dog involved. And we were like, it was in a, it was like a preview for something else that we were watching in the theater. And like Danny like said something to me about it. And I was like, absolutely not because the dog's going to die. I'm not watching that movie. <laughs> mm-hmm. I still have never seen Marley and Me or any of those. I was like, oh. no. I, I read Marley and Me and that was very sad and I cried. And then I watched the Marley and Me movie and I think I cried for 45 minutes. Don't do it to yourself. It's yeah, crazy. I specifically have chosen to not read it or watch it. I don't need that. I know what happens. That's, awesome. That's enough. Yeah, I can't. Like a dog's, like all these movies about like dogs saving people because people are crap. I know people are crap. I don't need to watch a dog die to realize it. You know what I mean? <laughs> so um, I'm going to take us away from sad animal movies. Yeah. Um, and I'm going to bring us to shows. So upcoming shows I'm super excited about. Uh, season two of the Umbrella Academy comes out July 31st. What? Um, I just saw that Winona Earp is starting back up a couple weeks from now. Yeah. I binge watched that one and I love it. I still think I have the last two episodes of season three to watch. I think. Yeah. Yeah. And I think I'm just going to save them yep. um, and then just watch it all together. So that's like a really good show to binge. Binging is the way to watch that show. <laughs> I've heard good things about it. I just haven't started it. So It's one of those where I binged it and like I got really paranoid about like noises happening around me. And I mean, it's not like a creepy <laughs> show, but there's, you know, it's like demons. And <laughs> there are demons. Yeah, <laughs> them are gross. And there's that whole storyline with the witch. I think, I think that was season three, right? 
Yes. Yeah. She was freaky. So I like, sorry, what'd you say? I just said there's lots of freaky people in Winona Earp. So if you like that kind of thing. It is. Yeah. It's like she's uh, Wyatt Earp's granddaughter and she's a demon killing gun. And that is essentially the plot line of this whole show. (laughs) Except like the revenants, which are what we would call demons, are just the people that he killed when he was alive. There's a lot to it. Yeah. They're not even all bad. (laughs) No. Some of them are cool, but they still have to kill them. And then, yeah. Yeah. And then he's in love with, uh, what's uh, Doc Holliday. Yes. Who's super sexy. And like, I love Doc Holliday. Well, not Doc Holliday specifically, but Tim Rosen, who plays Doc Holliday in Winona Earps. Very sexy in an old cowboy kind of way. Yes, he's adorable. Um, he's also, he was shortly on Schitt's Creek, um, which he played the boyfriend with the beard. Mm. For anyone that's watched that. So, big fan. Um, also, I'm super excited. And thank you, Alicia, for sending me the trailer for Cursed. Uh, which comes out July 17th. I'm super excited for Cursed. Um, it is like kind of a Merlin retelling, um, but the main character is a girl, it appears. It appears the sword chooses a girl instead of a boy. And so I'm super excited. Also, it has Gustav Skarsgård in it. And I love Gustav Skarsgård, and I want him in more things. Remind me who that is. So Alexander Skarsgård from True Blood, he's his older brother, and he's in, uh, the biggest role I can think of that he's been in is Vikings. He played Floki, um, and I love Floki. Floki was crazy, like straight crazy character, and I love Floki. He was like chaos. Um, and, um, and then he was like, I was excited because he was on Westworld, but then he was on Westworld for like two to four episodes, and then, and I was sad. Um, but he's just like a scar scarred, and I enjoy him. Um, and just comparatively, like he's lost his hair, you know, so like he is bald, yeah, he is. but he's still sexy. Oh, yeah, so he's not bad looking, it's just you know, no, he's tall and he's very he's sexy, and he plays Merlin, yeah, he's a good actor though, so and he has a staff. I'm very excited for this whole situation, so <laughs> it'll be good. So I'm there for cursed, um. And other things um, we have, okay, I'm going to talk, Susie, about your fire pit real quick, because I feel like a lot of people are doing really cool projects during this kind of like quarantine time period. And you're probably the best example of it, considering like I haven't even, like I struggle to take the trash out still. Like the last thing I've done is like improve my dwelling. If anything, I have unimproved my dwelling. So, (laughs) So tell us about your fire pit. Well, we just have a giant backyard that has it's gross like not very much usability so we put in a little patio area and then a fire pit fire pit we bought over a year ago and it's been sitting in our garage because it's the kind that you have to actually do something with like dig a hole it's a ring you know it's not like the ones you can put it in the ground and go so finally my my husband did it all it wasn't me yeah. <laughs> patio area put in the fire pit he also made me raised garden beds so now we have somewhat of a usable space it's still a work in progress but we had our first fire what a couple nights ago mm-hmm. that's awesome so exciting yep. yeah so he was like 
he'd like send that picture and I was like, and other, other times I would just be like, I'm coming over with wine. You're like, well, I'm on my way. Yeah, <laughs> absolutely. That's <laughs> great. I'll bring snacks. You know? <laughs> mm-hmm. Hopefully by the time people can actually come over, we'll have the whole backyard done, which will be a while. Yeah. <laughs> We've got time. It's the, it's the good news, I think. Um, absolutely. Absolutely. That's all I keep telling myself. I'm like, I have nothing better to do. I will try to improve my backyard because it's a jungle. It still is. I haven't done much lately. So pretty much most of the work I've done has reversed itself again. So that's fun. But uh, yeah. I'm just letting well, like, nature take its course <laughs> until I get a letter from the HOA. <laughs> I think you have very nice grass, though. I have like the wild grass. So it's just the weed, basically. I call it strawberry fields to make it sound fancy, but it's just My weeds. That. Grass is mostly clover so far. Yeah, I and love that. Like, clover's very pretty, so I'm totally cool with it. It is. It's pretty no, natural. Fascinating grass talk. This is great talk, you guys. I want everyone to know Welcome that to quarantine talk. <laughs> part of homeownership is yard maintenance, so yeah. oh, God, yeah. just get a condo. Uh, <laughs> so, um, and then in book news, we have exciting book news. Like, I may have screamed a little bit, book news. Um, the Sarah J. Moss, author of The Court of Thorns and Roses, and The Throne of Glass, and The Crescent City, which we read for our last podcast, um, released the title and the release date for her next book in the A Court of Thorns and Roses series, which is called A Court of Silver Flames. Mm-hmm which is the Nessian novel that she says you may or may not have been waiting for, <laughs> depending on how you feel about Nesta and Cassian. Um, which we've talked in depth. If you're curious about how the three of us feel about Nesta, Archeron, and Cassian, please listen to our prior episodes where we went through all of the Court of Thrones and Roses series up to date. And I basically do nothing but shit on Nesta. I was going to say, spoiler alert, they hate her. And uh, Susie, yeah. the nicest person I know in real life, defends one of the cruelest characters of book history. Like, <laughs> Very confusing time, but I respect it. <laughs> so, but that being said, I am here for it. I am here for Sarah J. Moss to change my mind. Um, I just love Cassian, and every time she's mean to him, it really upsets me. Um... Like I'm hoping for a solid like character arc, you know what I mean? She needs a redemption arc very badly, and as Susie pointed out, she's traumatized and she needs to heal. Yeah. So we shall see what it what it happens. What happens in this book? We will see. So the story continues, and it comes out January something of next 26th. year, the twenty sixth. Yep, I thought it was twenty first. It doesn't matter. It'll probably be our February book of next year. That's my new plan. <laughs> So accurate assumption. Yeah, I will definitely read this in like one week. It'll be it'll be on. So I'm super excited for that. Um, also, not really book news, uh, but I discovered a new fun booktube YouTube channel uh, called How to Train Your Gavin. Um, Susie, did you ever watch the video? I haven't watched it yet. Oh my god, it's so good. He also did a Crescent City. He got an advanced reader copy. So he has a spoiler-free Crescent City, which is also, like, worth a watch, even though we've read it, because it's just hilarious. Uh, but the reason I found it is uh, one of the indie authors that is brilliant, her books are great, and that I follow, Melanie Smith, um, he reviewed 
one of her books. And he mostly, like, he writes YA. He mostly reads YA. Um, that's kind of his, like, favorite genre. And it was his first steamy read because she does not write YA. And so this review, he's drunk on Prosecco. He drinks a whole bottle of Prosecco. Like, halfway through the review, the Prosecco was gone um, by himself. And it's just hilarious yeah. and amazing. Yep. So it was 30, like, four minutes of my favorite thing the day that I found it. So I feel like we should send it to Justin because he would just get a kick out of it as well if we had it. I was thinking, I was like, would this make Justin read more books? <laughs> Maybe. Maybe. So that would be good. Um, but yeah, so I quite enjoy it. And I'm now going, like, through his, like, book review videos because I find them very funny. Um, so I, I watched the one that for Melanie's book, and I watched the Crescent City one. And uh, it's very good. So it's called How to Train Your Gavin, and it's amazing. So, and he met Sarah J. Moss. What? Oh my God. His story of meeting Sarah J. Moss alone is worth watching the Crescent City video because he like went to an author signing and he met her and it's amazing. I'm not going to say, but it's worth, it's worth checking out. So um, <laughs> I was like, I want to meet Sarah J. J. Moss. He said she was amazing. She's apparently a great hugger. So mm -hmm. these are all things to know. She had to cancel her Crescent City book tour. So, you know maybe for the next one. Um, but yeah, so that is that. And that takes us, you guys, to the end of my talking points. Did you want to mention what next month's book is, or do you want to do that afterwards? No, we'll talk about that now. Okay. So we are reading the Lunar Chronicles. So we're reading the whole thing, and this way I will read the whole damn thing, because I'm the only one that hasn't read the whole thing. Um, yeah. <laughs> and so it's really good, and we are reading the next book is Scarlet in the series. And I think it's Scarlet, Crest, and Winter, right? That's the order. Mm -hmm. And then there's Fairest, which is like separate. It's a prequel. Yes. Yeah. I don't want to read that one. <laughs> I read it. It was okay. <laughs> we don't have to read Fairest if that is a consensus. Um, read Stars Above, which is the a short story collection. I would suggest reading that. I liked that one. Yeah, I okay. that one. Okay. Okay. Well, that's good. Um, so yeah, so we will get into Cinder now. So, but I'm very excited for Scarlet because I think that's Little Red Riding Hood, right? It is. Oh. Probably one of my favorite characters in the book series. I just enjoy her a lot, so. So I'm super excited for that. Um, so, but Cinder first is where we have to start. Um, and to my understanding, like, these characters are also involved in, like, the other books as well. Yes. And I don't know because I read them, but Alicia and Susie are telling me 100%. And Susie is nervous. She's going to talk out of term about things that haven't happened yet. So <laughs> I created a breakdown. Has this happened yet? I just yeah. finished reading Cinder last night. So I stopped myself because like there's like a little introduction to the second book. And I was like, no, I need to stop here. So I don't accidentally like her yeah. other books together for my own sake as well. But. Yeah, I didn't read the Scarlet excerpt again. Also, it wasn't, I listened to this on Audible actually. And it wasn't in the Audible. Uh, okay. the excerpt so but I read it the first time because I read Cinder like over a year ago now for the first time yeah. and so um I returned the book to Alicia and then I listened to the audible version so but it was good um so we'll start with Cinder itself so it's a modern retelling of Cinderella uh we start with our main character Lynn Cinder uh she is a European orphan who has been adopted by a family in New Beijing um, after her parents were killed, I think it was in a car accident. Is that right? 
Yeah, hover accident. Hover, hover accident, right. Right, so takes place in the future. Like, World War Three has already happened. Four. I was going to say, I think there was four. So I think, like, this is post-World War Four. Um, there's, like, a new section. Like, China is now New Beijing, I believe. And so the world is not, it's pretty close to as we know it still. Uh, with, like, and I'm sure that will play more as it goes along. Uh, probably with, like, the actual kind of world powers that are at play. But right now we only see that through one character's perspective. But still, most of the world is pretty similar. But we are definitely in the future, uh, not just technology-wise, but time period-wise. Um, which, speaking of Cinder, she was uh, injured as well as a child. I think, like, 11, right? It was, like, 11. She doesn't remember anything before the accident. Um, and she was made to, in order to survive uh, her injuries, uh, she was made into a cyborg. Um, and so she has a cybernetic foot, a cybernetic hand, and she also has a neural network slash kind of like a net screen that she sees on her face uh, that like allows her to like look up info, kind of like Google, it's kind of like having a library in your brain. Um, and also what I thought was the coolest is that it lets her know when people are in line. Yeah, it's like able to like assess their features to tell if someone's lying, <laughs> which um, could be bad. Also, call back to Melanie Smith's book, uh, Everybody Lies, that I read is about someone who has this ability of always knowing when people are lying. And it can be a hindrance as well as an ability. But all in all, I think it would be very handy. <laughs> the problem is you don't know why they're lying. You only know if they are or not lying. Uh, so, but that doesn't play so much in for Cinder, but it's very helpful for her to know when someone's telling her the truth or not in this book. So that's pretty cool. Um, she, so her uh, would have been stepfather adopted her and brought her into the family. Um, also in the family is the stepmother, Adri. Um, Audrey. Aud sorry, Audrey. Sorry. Yes, Audrey. Um, then, then two sisters, um, Pearl, who is a total bitch <laughs> and peony who's super sweet yeah she's sweet and i like the turn on one of the sisters being nice um i always feel like there's always a nicer sister but peony is just sweet lovely like she's like a good person she doesn't care about cinder not really being her biological sister she doesn't care that she's a cyborg like she doesn't care you know she thinks that the way people treat her is unfair and they're kind of like best friends um so shortly after uh, when Cinder was a child and she was adopted and brought to the house, like pretty much immediately after, um, her would have been stepfather died from the plague called letamosis. And letamosis, it's almost like, it's like blue spots that appear on your skin, um, kind of like the pox, but it's different. Um, and there's no cure. So basically when someone has letamosis, they call like a medivac and they get taken to a quarantine where they're monitored through the stages of letamosis and they treat like they try and take care of them and treat symptoms and pain and stuff but there's not a cure basically it's a death sentence so um father would have been stepfather died <laughs> uh shortly after she came there and so she's been raised by audrey who hates her and uh these two sisters um and let's talk about kind of the prejudice the modern prejudice of this world uh, which is that people that are cyborgs um, are like less than humans, like in the in the social class status, um, 
they don't have like I would say full citizen rights in the same way that a that a like a a non modified human would have. They're almost seem like property too, especially yes. gender situation, which we can talk about later. But yeah, I think it's basically like people feel like they have they've been given a second chance and they shouldn't even really be alive anyway because you know a lot of times it's life-saving surgery the reason they have the cyborg especially for cinder it is and then I, alicia was talking about this earlier where you know they have they're not only super strong because now their arms are metal or legs are metal or whatever is metal but they also have what did you call it the brain interface yeah the um the fiber kind of like neural network yeah and so like and so not all of them, I didn't cap that, but like Cinder in her case, she does. So she has the ability, like if she's, you know, fixing something or trying to like put together like a piece of machinery, like she can immediately pull up the blueprint and like the instructions and she just has everything readily available. Whereas like humans, they actually have to like read it and like take their time with it. So I think a lot of humans on top of them just being prejudiced because they don't think, they think they're freaks kind of as well. Like they look down on that. But they also, I think, feel threatened by the advancements that they have over everyone else. So it's part of the, you know, issue. And I think at one point, you guys just reread it, so maybe you'll remember this. But at one point, actually, maybe this comes up later, but it's not a spoiler. You find out that, like, a bunch of cyborgs, like, killed people early on and, like, there was just criminal activity. And that was part of it. And they just, they put in the Cyborg Protection Act. Do they talk about the Cyborg Protection Act at all? No? Not in this book. It's just part of the whole prejudice. It's part of the history and everything. Yeah. I mean, it makes it makes sense. Um, I think the only thing that's kind of referenced, no, there's like the intertrade agreement between the planet and lunar that's referenced in this book more. Um, but I think that at one point, um, which we'll get to it when Cinder is like in trouble, basically like Audrey reports her as like missing or like escaped or whatever. Um, and they say that you're in violation of some sort of cyborg protection. I act. think that's it. Yeah. Yeah. And so, and so, yeah. So essentially by being turned into a cyborg because she had life threatening injuries as a child, Cinder is now basically property of Audrey. She's not just her stepmother and a guardian in the regular capacity that you would be for an adopted child like she doesn't have full citizen rights and Audrey can basically just kind of decide her fate like she would any other piece of furniture or technology in her home which is totally fucked up because Cinder is still a person she's just a person that has like a cool google maps in her head and um I mean I get why that would be an advantage you know and she just has like a prosthetic hand and foot that's like neurally to her mind so that they're functioning. So, I mean, I think that would be dope. So, <laughs> so anyway, so that, that entire premise, I remember the first time I read it, especially like really upset me. Um, and so I feel like that part's hard. Uh, but, but that was also talk about like Iko. I was going to talk about Iko. She's next. Oh, good. Mm-hmm. Consult the list. But <laughs> Iko is really like <laughs> Alicia's face right now. <laughs> She's so mad. Well, uh, what I was going to say is that they have androids as well, which are like robots that also are like, since it's so futuristic, like they like, like work in the medical field and they do other things. So that's also part of like, 
something that can be controlled. Like Adri has one called Ico. You know what I mean? So it's property as well. Um, and I think a lot of times people relate like cyborgs and androids to the same thing. You know what I mean? Where they kind of see them both as like property because of that too, because they're very similar in some ways. Right. But one's like organic oh, life yeah. and the other is artificial. Yeah. 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 So um, I really like Iko. Iko's great. She reminded me, I thought of it this time. She reminded me a lot of Lily from Crescent City. Yeah. Um, after like having read Crescent City and then going back and like reading um, Cinder again, except for instead of like how Bryce was kind of crappy to Lily the whole time, like Iko is Cinder's only friend and she like tries to protect her and <laughs> all sorts of stuff. Um, so um, Iko is great. Um, and I saw some fan art that I, I'm excited for Iko in the future, Iko's future. Yeah. Um, so Iko's adorable and she has like crushes on like Prince Kai, um, who is currently like the prince of um, New Beijing and like also Peony has a huge crush on Pin Prince Kai. Um, and they, they're just like, they're just like girls, you know what I mean? They're just like fantasize about like the handsome prince and like going to the ball and like all that normal stuff. Um, and so it's pretty fun. Uh, so we, when we meet Cinder, she is working at the market. Um, she's a mechanic. She's like a really, really good mechanic because she has an advantage of <laughs> being a cyborg. Um, so like Alicia said, she can like pull up like blueprints and maps and stuff to like figure out issues really easy. And while she's just working, uh, Aiko has gone out to get her a new foot because her stepmother, Audrey, is such a horrible person that she never upgraded her foot from like the size of like an 11 year old girl's foot. And so uh, Sinner has finally gotten enough money that she has found an adult woman's foot size so that she doesn't need to like limp around. But at the point that we're at, like she basically, she just has the small foot removed and she's just kind of like sitting and, <laughs> um, and waiting on Iko. And suddenly someone mysterious shows up at her booth. Does someone else want to talk about it? The initial sure. meeting? Sure. Um, yeah. So this guy shows up with like a sweatshirt, even though it's like 90 degrees outside. <laughs> and he brings this like very old model android of his that um, is primarily used for like testing, like like for schoolwork and stuff. And she like at first doesn't acknowledge like who he is until she realizes it's in fact Prince Kai down here, like in the marketplace, trying to like guess not look suspicious, even though he's very suspicious because he's like the only person around them in sweater <laughs> or sweatshirt. Um, and he basically is asking her to fix it because no one at the palace of all of his like high ranking people that like work on androids can figure out what's wrong. And she's kind of shut down the other day. Um, and so, you know, Cinder of course is kind of like caught off guard because one of like their prince is just right in front of her and he's super handsome. And of course she agrees to um, fix it. And as she's talking to him, then Iko shows him, she's like, Cinder. I've got your foot. And she was just like, <laughs> what are you talking Put it in the back. And so-and-so like, Lynn May, blah, will be happy to give it. And she's like, what are you talking about? She's like, like, look, like read the room here. And then of course I was like, oh my gosh, Prince kind. Of course she's like swooning. We should also <laughs> mention that uh, Aiko has a flawed personality chip. So she essentially has a personality, whereas most androids don't. They're... <laughs> 
pretty much just robots that talk to you and have like interface, but she's very like, like, you know, wooed by the like Prince guy and has this crush and she's like swooning over him. So it's pretty hilarious. Um, Can I say one thing real quick? Absolutely. So this isn't a spoiler, but remember I mentioned the Stars Above book, the short mm-hmm. stories. I was really interested in Aiko and like how she became that way. And if you're interested in that, there's a short story, not about Aiko, but about a different Android and how she becomes more sentient and has emotions. So if you're interested in that, check that book out. Anyway. Thank you for shifting that. Um, I will, because I love Aiko. She's like one of my favorite characters. Oh yeah, she's awesome. She's awesome. Um, so, and I love that like Prince Guy is trying to be like in disguise, which I just kept thinking of like in Ragnarok when Thor's like trying to be in disguise and he has the scarf and he just like drapes it over half of his face and it's like disguise. Like that's what I feel like Prince Guy's disguise because he's just like, I put up a hood on my hoodie. Now no one will know who I am. Mm-hmm. Um, and so, uh, but I goes adorable. Um, so shortly you know so she like agrees to totally fix his robot named nancy i don't know if this is when he tells her that nancy has sentimental value um i feel like it is when he when he's like she's an old robot with sentimental android with sentimental value and she like can tell that's a lie well he first joke well first he tries to come off really serious and is like she's got top secret stuff (laughs) like just kidding Oh, no. I think Susie froze. It's sentimental value. And then that's when her sensor goes off and she's like, oh, he's lying. <laughs> right. <laughs> so she doesn't know, like, what and or why he has brought this robot here himself. Uh, but the whole thing is kind of weird. Um, so he, but he leaves. She agrees to fix it for free. It would be her honor. Um, and uh, shortly after that, there's a letamosis outbreak at the market. Um, so there's like a minor character that we don't need to talk about that much, but her name is Chang Sasha. She like serves, she has like a bakery basically. Um, and Chang uh, Sasha does not like Cinder because she is a cyborg and she always tells her son, uh, which I have the name right down here. Cinto. 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 Yes. It's down on my notes later. Uh, to not like go near Cinder or to play around Cinder's booth. Um, because she's so, like, afraid of her. But either way, Chang Sasha is taken away uh, during the letamosis outbreak because she has letamosis. So uh, basically the whole market gets dispersed. Uh, the medevacs come, people run away in fear, etc. Uh, Cinder and I go just kind of head home. Um, and then when they, like, show up, like, meanwhile, for the rest of Cinder's family, uh, they don't work, they don't do anything, uh, all the money that they get is from Cinder um, basically doing her repairs as a mechanic. Um, so that's kind of the majority, I felt like, of the income. Um, and they are getting their uh, peony and Pearl are getting their dresses fitted for the upcoming ball. Um, so that's kind of where... Uh, that's kind of where she walks into. I don't even think she says anything about the market. Uh, she just kind of goes about her day um, and asks about the ball. Uh, I think, I feel like I go ask about the ball. <laughs> um, and uh, her stepmother basically tells her that, you know, she can go to the ball um, if she finishes all of the list of 
tasks that she has, all of the repairs around the house, um, getting the hover track fixed, all sorts of like uh, basically a never ending list of things. So Cinder is not fooled. Cinder knows that she's not going to let her go to the ball. Cinder knows that this is just like putting on kind of a show for mostly Peony, uh, that there'd be any chance that she could ever go. Um, and so, uh, but, Oh, okay. <laughs> and so, yeah, so it's kind of like one of those things where like, she's not fooled, you know, but she just kind of moves on with it. They're getting their dresses done. And she decides that she might as well get on fixing these, these items around the house to earn her keep. Um, and just kind of heads to the junkyard with Peony. Well, cause Peony begs to go. True. Do you want to take this part, please? Sure. Well, first off, I also just remembered when she walks in and sees them getting fitted, she's like, hey, I'm going to go get washed up and then I'll come back and do my dress fitting because she knows she doesn't have it. And the seamstress is like, uh, anyway, I always, I thought that was a funny part. Right. So yeah, so Peony is basically like, oh, I really want to go. And I didn't want her to go because I kind of thought something bad was going to happen. So then she goes, they all go. Aiko is practicing her uh, sarcasm, which I like. It's not important, but I just like that she has sarcasm. And she's like, oh, it'll be so fun. So they go, and she's looking for, what oh, What piece was it? Something to fix the hover. Um, I thought it was the tracks. The belt. Yeah, oh, not yeah. the timing belt, but it's like a hover, yeah. like a magnet belt or something yeah. like that. Yeah, so they're digging through old things. Um, and then they, she finds the mag belt and then she finds an old, they call it a second era car, which makes me think we're the second era because we have cars Yeah. <laughs> to place us in time. Um, and I also, because I actually started re-listening to Cinder for the third time today. So I got up through this part. Um, Iko calls, it's orange. So Iko calls it a pumpkin, mm-hmm. which I didn't notice before. And this yeah. is and I was like, Oh, it's her pumpkin carriage. Yeah. So she decides to fix it up because that's going to be her escape from New Beijing and from Audrey. Mm-hmm. Um, and that's not really that important right now. It's just that's what's happening. And then, oh, they're talking about Prince Kai and she's telling Peony how she met him and she's obsessed and she's like, I need to dance with him and I need to meet him and blah, blah, blah. And then they look down and they see blue scars on Peony. Mm-hmm. Or... 14-year-old peony. 14 or 15? 14. She's 14. Mm-hmm. I could just picture her like so prim and proper and adorable covered in these blue things and so Cinder doesn't know what to do. Obviously it's like well my sister's dying now so gotta call the med droids and peony of course is trying to get her away from her because she's like you either you're gonna get it you're gonna die. Mm-hmm. Poor Cinder's thinking that she read it home from the market, so either she already has it or she's already, you know, passed it on. Um, I thought that was, just this imagery just makes me so sad. Just them in the dead of the night in this junkyard, and she's like, fuck it, I'm going to hug you. I'm going to stay with you because I'm either, I either already have it or I'm going to very shortly. Mm-hmm. And then the Medroids come, they pick Peony up, she does end up leaving Peony because Peony doesn't want her to get, you know, accosted herself. Mm-hmm. And then they check her for Letamosis too. And Cinder's like, well, die, have it. Because I was right next to Peony. I'm going to have it. So they wheel Peony out. And she's about to say, hey, I'm right behind you because I clearly have it too. And then the med droid says, nope, 
you're clear, you don't have lenomosis, go home. And yep. so, but she, because of her brain interface, it records everything. This is what I would not, like I used to think I was jealous of having her, um, you know, the Google in your head recording things, but it legitimately records traumatic events and plays it back for her, which my brain does anyway. Mm-hmm. So the whole way home, like the video of her sister getting sick is playing in her head. Yeah. Be horrible. That's be horrible. Yeah. Um, and so like, I just listened to this book, like read it for the second time. Right. And I was shocked like reading it again. Cause I remember that this horrible scene happened, but in my mind, like this and the events that are about to follow when she goes home happened like three fourths through the book. But no, this is like the beginning of this book. Like most books are kind of like a slow build. This book is like so much happens. It's just like front loaded at the beginning. Like you meet Cinder, you figure out who she is, you figure out who Kaya is, and you figure out the characters very quickly. And then immediately it's like Peony's taken away with the plague. Yeah. <laughs> and then Cinder goes home. Um, like Cinder doesn't know what to do. And like, I feel bad for her. Like, I feel like if she had anywhere else to go, in general, in this book, like, her life would be better in so many ways, but, like, all she has is Audrey, (laughs) and it's, and also she's, like, Audrey's property, um, so Audrey can, like, track down where she is if she didn't go home, I guess, um, but, like, she gets home, and Audrey's already been alerted, they have, like, an alert system, um, like, on their watch or whatever, like, Cinder gets hers, like, across her screen, Mm -hmm. uh, when she gets alerts, um, they already know that Peony's been picked up and taken in for stage one of Lenomosis. Um, and she can see that she was picked up from the junkyard. And because Audrey's just like a stellar parent, she didn't even know that her daughter was gone. Um, <laughs> so immediately she's blaming Cinder when she shows up. Cinder already blames herself because she's convinced that she gave Peony Lenomosis. Um, and I don't, like, I don't know how Peony got Lenomosis, honestly, you know, like, it could have been something in the car, like, there, there could have been, like, something in the junkyard, it could have happened from the seamstress, like, we don't know, you know, um, but, uh, basically, I think there's med droids that are at the place anyway that have already tested Audrey and Pearl, and they're both negative, um, and so, uh, Audrey decides to volunteer Cinder for the cyborg draft. Um, does anyone want to cover what the cyborg draft is? <laughs> I will. Uh, essentially, since cyborgs are kind of viewed as subpar humans, um, the cyborg draft was created to help find a cure for lenomosis. And so essentially, families can volunteer or cyborgs themselves and volunteer themselves to get money to their family in order to um, be a research subject, essentially. Um, to be tested for it. So essentially they will infect you with the disease and see if your body fights it off with multiple antidotes, which they have, I think, 27 antidote possibilities that they've been working through. And being that Cinder is a ward of Audrey, um, she can legally be volunteered for it against her will. And so, of course, Cinder is just like, I've already been tested, I don't want to go. And she's like, you don't have a choice, you're selfish if you had cared for us at all you would never would have shown up here after the outbreak at you know the market like you did this to us get out of my sight kind of situation and so of course she's just like well this is a death sentence so you're literally putting me in the grave 
This is just shows how much you care. You know what I mean? So it's pretty traumatic and she ends up, you know, resisting and it's getting basically knocked out by the med droids. I think she like knocks one of them down or something like that. Um, I also feel like we should mention just in general that everyone is, has a like um, a chip with their name and information in their wrists. Um, so that's also part of the whole like tracking of it. Like they can scan people just to see who they are. Um, so they, they're tracking you, they can GPS, figure out where you're at of all time. So like, especially since she can't really escape because she's always watched essentially. Um, so she ends up waking up at um, the palace's like research center with a doctor named Dr. Erland. Um, and he ends up of course like going through and he's with his research assistants and you know, they're going through like talking like candidates and he's not, doesn't seem very impressed when like he gets a male cyborg, you know, he's just like, eh, he's like, just like 30, like how much cyborg is he versus human? And you know what I mean? He was just, and they're like, it's a really good candidate. He's like, eh, no, give him, give him a placebo. He's not, he's not <laughs> what we're looking for. And they're like, why? Like we need that subject. And he's like, Nah, I don't, I, I don't like this guy. I love how the female research assistant is like, you're real shitty. Like, yeah, because like, she's like, you always seem overly excited when we get women, like female, like cyborgs and the men, you just really seem indifferent with. And he's like, nah, it's just not the right ratio. It's just not what we're looking for. Yeah. She's like, yeah. So it's kind of funny. Um, and so it's been, of course, senders like, information comes up and uh, he immediately perks up because it's a girl and a cyborg and he like hears her age and hears like the, like they're doing the body scan to figure out what part cyborg and I can't remember the statistics like 30 something whatever um, and he's like oh perfect and she was just like giving him like side eye like what is wrong with you <laughs> you know <laughs> like this is messed up like I, I guess it's not human I remember reading it this time and even being like, is this guy a creep? I don't remember. Like, is he a creep? Because his assistant definitely thinks he's a creep. Like, you just want to, like, kill little girls? You know what I mean? Like, makes a whole lot of sense later. But, yeah, he comes off as, like, I mean, he's still not, you know, the best. But... <laughs> like and I, I feel like especially the assistant because I think the person they start off with the guy he's like thirty and I think he's only six percent cyborg makeup and which is quite small and he's just like wow he's too old and she's like since when did thirty become too old and he's like ah he's too old get him out of here and you have like a kid or something too he's like looking he's like two children he's like he doesn't you know give him placebo he doesn't meet the the whatever we're looking for the candidate specs and she's just like well I've got a child that's a female and he's like oh really she's like god you're such a creep you know what I mean? yeah. so I like felt bad for her because she never gets to explain what he was doing but well uh, and one super quick back note we might not even know this now but I don't think it matters Dr. Erland is the one that created this the cyborg draft Cyborg draft in the first place. Oh, you guys are frozen. Nope, you're back. Can you hear me? Sorry, my internet's going out. So anyway, Dr. Erland was the one that created the cyborg draft in the first place. Like, he's the one that it was his idea. Um, And I don't, my internet went out when you were talking about this, Alicia, so I don't know if you mentioned that not only do they volunteer people, but is it like once a month, like, like someone's name is drawn out of a hat and then they're forced to go in 
mm-hmm. and be part of the draft. Yeah. So, yeah. Yeah, which is pretty messed up because it's kind of like, this reminded me of like the Hunger Games where everyone's just yeah. like afraid of their number coming up and then you can volunteer to go instead, but no one wants to volunteer to go because it's a death sentence, you know? And it's very much like, well, you're doing a service to our, our you know, whole nation because the whole world's affected by this plague. So they're like, your sacrifice is noted, you know, and your family will be compensated. So like this 30-year-old dude chances are because he's a cyborg or whatever his family is like hard up on cash and he's just like well i'm gonna go die for you guys so you guys can get a little bit of money to get us back because i'm a cyborg you know like it's just like really sad to think about that desperation yeah you what? or he was just drafted possibly yeah but you don't know but it's like one of those like that's kind of the people coming through and it's just really yeah kind of upsetting um but anyway so you kind of go in and they draw her blood and she's like starts waking up to like in like in the back of her head and she was just like seriously like traumatized because she feels like it's an invasion anytime that anyone accesses her um her wires and her you know system in the back of her head like she feels extremely violated because she's like I know you're in my head I don't know what you're doing like it like was really triggering for her so I feel really bad for her on that because she's got no control because it got her like restrained like at least four ways <laughs> she's just like so fired up you know but go ahead ash i know you want to say something um ooh, i was just gonna say i'm surprised that audrey hadn't turned her in earlier for money and you know and i think that cinder says something to that effect like if it weren't for me bringing in the only income you would have done this forever. oh absolutely i mean that money will run out at some point so from her husband Garen's death I think they get like a little bit from that but it's not enough for like rent and everything you know and so and I like this point like so she's basically Cinder is getting injected first with basically lenamosis and um I don't even think they give her the anecdote yet no they're just not waiting for the infection to spread so that they can give it and so they can watch kind of like on the screen it's almost like when you do like a radioactive test and you can see like oh what's it called the stain or what's that called oh the barium no not I mean yes but that's not what they call it um but essentially you can see it um going through your blood or whatever um it has a name it's not stain um ah it's gonna drive me crazy no that's what they called in here, but yeah. But either way, you could see like it going through the system, and you can kind of track it. Um, and the they're both shocked, and they see the lettamosis being just kind of bloop bloop dissolve, like bloop bloop one by one. Her immune system is just like fighting it off, or just like getting more, just like expelling it from her system. Like she just isn't infected anymore. Um, and the research assistant is stunned you know, because that's never happened. She thinks it's like an heir, you know? <laughs> well, and they four stages of the disease. And this first stage normally takes a little bit. They're like, oh, we'll go back. We'll come back in the morning and like see where we're at. And they're like, wait a minute. These things are just disappearing. Like what is happening? It's happening like a very excessively fast rate. It's what they're observing, you know? Too. Yeah. And so, um, so yeah, so it's like, that's going on. Um, and so they just kind of like, wait. And Dr. Erland's super excited. Um, and so he basically kind of explains to Cinder after a couple more tests that it appears that she's immune 
and he wants to run more tests, uh, but that this is kind of what they've been waiting and hoping for, um, and that she could potentially be the cure to the litamosis disease. You know, if they can figure it out, if they can create a cure from her, and he doesn't want to tell Prince Kai yet. Um, also, the emperor is sick. We should mention that. So the current emperor is sick with letamosis. Um, and so, like, there's always been a pressure to find a cure, but the pressure now is more than ever because currently the emperor is dying of letamosis as well, which would make Prince Kai basically become the emperor. Um, he would basically, I don't know if it's still called a coronation, but I felt like it was. He would basically be coronated to be the emperor, um, which he doesn't want because he wants his dad to live. So, like, now more than ever, they need a cure. So Cinder is like, you know, we need to get on a cure right away. She's like, my sister is sick. And she asked Dr. Erland if her sister can get the first cure. And he says, no, the first cure has to go to the emperor. But then after the emperor, your sister can be the second person cured. Like, whatever, you know. So Cinder's super excited. Um, she's basically kind of free to go. Um as long as she continues to cooperate. He's like, I'm not going to, you know, keep you prisoner. And he's like, I'm going to pay you. Um, and well, she, re she requests that she be paid and not her guardian because Dr. Erlen knows that she didn't volunteer <laughs> that her, uh, stepmother turned her in, uh, for cash as a cash payment. And so she's like, listen, she's like, I need to get paid and I need to be separate than what my guardian gets. Um, so I need access to my own money and then I will willingly help you find a cure to cure my sister and the emperor. Um, and so that's pretty, that's pretty much that. And then she leaves. Um, I kind of want to talk about the lunars a little bit. Um, cause this is like, this I want, and I'm sure, and I hope more explanation comes, um, in the future of the books because the lunars, um, like the moon, I guess is inhabited. We should talk about that because <laughs> it's currently not. Um, and it's in inhabited by the lunars and they're not just like humans. They are, except for they're also like magical. Like they have the, yeah, they've evolved somehow on the moon. Um, and they didn't just get like taller because of lack of gravity. Um, in fact, they're like regular height mostly, but, <laughs> They've also but been they, there for quite a long time for like a few centuries, at least like two or three centuries. So they've been there for a while. So, yeah. Um, and so they've, they've acquired the abilities to one of influence. Some people can influence your thoughts. Um, you can convince, you can basically kind of like glamor people is the easiest way to think of it. Um, or like Jedi mind trick them. You can like convince them of things that are not really true. So basically lunars are very terrifying to humans uh, because they have these like supernatural abilities that humans on earth, earthlings don't have. Um, and so the earthlings are kind of terrified of the lunars and the lunars are ruled by Queen Lavana herself. Um, Queen Lavana uh, re rather recently has come to power. Um, her sister was queen before, um, and there was a princess as well. Uh, but then they were all killed in a fire very mysteriously. Everyone knows Queen Lavana did it basically, but there's nothing anyone can do about it. Um, and Queen Lavana controls all of the lunars with her mind powers. Um, and so like the lunars brag that they like don't have any uprisings and they don't have any like rebellion within their ranks. And it's very easily explained when you can mind control everyone, you're not going to have any rebellion. 
Um, sorry, I just realized you're probably going to talk about this anyway, but they also have a group of people called shells. You are probably getting there. No, talk about shells. Which is the reason they don't have rebellions because shells are born without the lunar ability, which wouldn't seem like that big of a deal, but also they can't be controlled. They can't be glamored. Um, so Queen Lavana, actually probably before her, but I know now there's a what do they call it? Infanticide. Like if you have a shell child, you have to turn them over mm-hmm. and then be killed. Um, we find out a lot more about stuff about that later. So I'm going to try not to talk too much because I'm not sure how much you know. Um, but anyway, they think shells are bad because she thinks those are the, well, she knows that they can't be controlled by her, but really that's where the rebellions would come from. Right. The shell <laughs> that couldn't be controlled. Right. So Queen Levana hates the shells. Um, Her glamour doesn't work on them. She can't mind control them. Uh, They can dissent willingly if they wanted to. So they have the shells all killed. Um, As babies, it sounds like. So, which is horrifying. Um, They have to hand them over. Yeah. And so, and, but most people willingly comply, like, because they are also mind controlled and they think shells are bad. Um, And so that's pretty messed up. So, but there are some shells that escape to earth. It's very hard to do, but some shells basically like smuggle their way to earth and then steal an ID chip of an earthling and then live like in, like in hiding basically on earth uh, because lunar doesn't have power over earth and they don't normally come to earth. And so like it's the only safety that the shelves can, can get if they, if they survive long enough, basically. So there is like a lunar earth agreement that the earth will not harbor shells or any other types of lunars, I guess, technically. Um, And so like, that's the main agreement currently between like earth and the moon is that lunars can't seek refuge on earth. So if you're born lunar, you're stuck there (laughs) and you have to be mind controlled by the queen. And if you're not born in a way that she can mind control you, they, you just get killed. And there's not really anything that Earth can do about it because because of their abilities, the lunars are more powerful um, because they can just mind control Earthlings. <laughs> and, oh, I was going to say, and the lunars because of, like, kind of the disagreements they've had with the agreement of the lunar, like, agreement or whatever, um, they haven't been on Earth legally in, like, over, like, 120 years. So it's, I can't remember the exact 120, 130 years, but they haven't technically set foot. So, like, the shells sneaking through here is you obviously not known or, you know, if they get caught, they're supposed to get sent back to the moon. Go and ahead. also, everyone on Earth just assumes all lunars are bad. Like, oh yeah, there's a big prejudice there as well. They're like, oh, you're lunar, you're automatically bad because you use your powers for evil. That's just black and white. Yeah, and I mean, it would be terrifying, you know, if you know that someone can control you against their will that's kind of different bent on normal superpowers. You know, it's like, it's not just that you're strong or you're beautiful. It's that you can control me and I can't do anything, you know? Um, and so basically they're all kind of terrified of Levana, especially on earth. Um, Levana had been trying to come to an agreement with the emperor for some time. Um, and the emperor always refused her agreements. She wants a marriage alliance essentially is what the queen wants um, and she's made it clear that if she cannot obtain a marriage alliance with the emperor, she would take a marriage alliance with Prince Kai. 
Um, and Prince Kai is not keen on this uh, because for one, he's terrified of Lavana and all lunars. Um, and two, he doesn't really want to marry her. Um, but this kind of comes into play like more later. And I think that this will run more through the books as well as like an ongoing story arc, which I'm excited about. Um, so, but before we like really can get to any of that, um, back to Cinder and Dr. Erland's office and him telling her that as long as she continues to return, she can have her freedom, you know, <laughs> and go home and whatever. Uh, Prince Kai comes in and is like shocked to find Cinder there, obviously. Um, and he's like all, and also her, like this poor girl's like scans are all up on the screens of like her whole body scan showing like what part is cyborg and what part is human. Um, and, you know, Kai comes in and is like, ah, you know, and he's like, well, I can't believe you're here. And she's like, oh, I was fixing a Medidroid. Like, she just, like, lies real quick. And yeah. um, and luckily, Dr. Erlen goes along with it and is like, oh, yeah, you know, Cinder, she's such a great mechanic, I guess. Like, thank you so much. You know, like, he's really good at just lying going along with it, I guess. Yeah. So um, she basically, like, escapes from that room as quick as possible because uh, Kai's there to talk to Dr. Erlen. And I remember Cinder's like confused because Erlen tells, she doesn't, he doesn't tell Prince Kai about the potential breakthrough. He doesn't tell Prince Kai that she's immune to letamosis. Like he doesn't tell any of that information. He just says that there may be a potential, he's hopeful, they're working as hard as they can for the emperor, etc. You know? And he's like, my dad's on borrowed time. Like, we need a cure. Like, if we're going to get a cure, like, this is the time, you know? <laughs> and he's like, I know, you know. And so Cinder's kind of confused because Dr. Erlen lies to Kai. And she sees it with her little indicator. And she's like, why would you ever lie to Kai? Why would you lie to the emperors or the son of the prince? Like, I don't understand. Um, but she doesn't have time to, like, mess with that right now. And she runs off. And this made me super nervous. She runs off to visit Peony in, like, basically the the sick people quarantine ward for letamosis. Yeah. Um, and she goes to Peony and she tells Peony the news, you know, that, you know, where there might be a cure, they're working on it. You know, she's immune to letamosis and, you know, she's the second person that's going to get the cure. So she just needs to hang on. And poor Peony just wants her port screen fixed. Like port screens, like, I just think of it as like a DS or like any sort of like cool, like tablet. Um, and that's all she keeps asking the whole time of Cinder is like, can I have my port screen? She just wants people like video chat with like her mom and Pearl. Um, which they, she's a kid. She just I know. went her social media or whatever. Exactly. Yeah. And she's just in a room full of sick and dying people. Um, and so, uh, Cinder basically, you know, tells her the news, tells her to hang on, that she's working on it. Um, and then she goes to leave and that's when she sees, uh, Sasha again, um, and, uh, Chang Sasha, and, uh, from the market, who was the person that was taken away earlier by Letamosis, and she's already, like, not well, she's already in, like, a way worse stage of Letamosis than Peony is, um, and, you know, Chang Sasha asks her, you know, just to, to help her son, she's, like, just asking about her son, like, is her son okay, you know, because obviously, if she had Letamosis, and she was around, her son is her son's sick. Like, that's her main concern. So, um, like, blah, blah. Cinder tries to, like, get her water, tries to help her, and then leaves, you know? So, like, no one's allowed to, like, go in. Oh, no, she doesn't leave. 
she doesn't leave. She's trying to comfort her because she's like, I just want to see my son toe. And she was like, okay, I'll see what I can do as she dies in front of her. And then the med droid comes over and cuts out her ID chip. And she's like, what are you doing? She's like, and they're just report their like normal message. Like, this is what I'm programmed to do. And she's like, what are you doing? You know, as like it gets dropped in with like a dozen other of these chips. And so then she's completely freaked out. You know what I mean? Um, And that becomes really important later. Yeah. Yeah. And then she goes to leave and they, I think, ended up, they're like trying to stop her because obviously if you're there and you're human, like you should be leaving because you're sick. And um, I think they end up like drawing her blood again and they see she's not contagious, so they let her go. But it was definitely kind of a close call. Yeah. Yeah. It felt really risky to go in general um, because they could just not let you leave because you've been exposed, let alone not having symptoms you know, and not testing for it. So, um, she luckily gets to leave, but she got to see Peony. Um, and I forgot that she died, that Chang Santo died or Chang Sasha, Sasha, sorry, died right there. (laughs) Um, but yeah, so it's pretty traumatizing because she always liked Chang Chang Sasha, even though Chang Sasha did not like Cinder. Like she always wanted to try like her bakery goods and all this kind of stuff. So she's like pretty traumatized by that experience. Um, anyone you know in front of you dying in your arms is probably pretty traumatizing in general, but especially more so when your sister's there and you don't want the same thing to happen to your sister. So um, she leaves, goes home, and like this is the first time I was like, why would you go home? You know what I mean? Like Audrey thinks you're dead, basically. Like Audrey has sent you to die in return for that quick cash payment. You know what I mean? Like go anywhere else, like live on the streets, like find, you know, go to the shop and just stay in the shop. But no, she goes home to Audrey. Um, and no one is more displeased with this than Audrey herself. Uh. <laughs> I feel like there's also the possibility that she doesn't know if Audrey will get alerted that mm-hmm. they didn't need her. You know what I mean? So since she's still her ward, she could be like, they get found out, and then by not returning, she could be considered, like, a runaway or something. So yeah. I think that's kind of why she um, goes back, just because of safety, you know. Like, I think it would have been good if, you know, part of her deal with Dr. Erland would have been, like, you, you free me. Like, my freedom is part of this deal, you know what I mean? Like, I don't want to be property of Audrey anymore, you know, I want to be free uh, from her, etc. Like, I'll live in this lab, like, whatever it takes to not be, mm-hmm. to not just be stuck with Audrey. Um, but no, so she goes home to Audrey. Um, she tells Audrey that she was rejected from the experiments. Um, she didn't meet the criteria or whatever. She just lies her pants off. Um, and is like, basically like, sorry, it wasn't that easy to get rid of me. Um, I'm going to go get to work essentially. Oh, because when she saw Prince Kai unexpectedly, he immediately asked about Nancy, his android. Have you fixed Nancy? And I imagine if the prince gave me an assignment, that would be like the number one thing on your priority list. Like everyone else's like little repairs would come secondary to the one the prince has given you, you know? And so, and Kai's so nice because he's always like, I guess I can't expect royal treatment. Uh-huh. <laughs> but I would like royal treatment. <laughs> you know what I mean? One more super quick sidebar. Yeah. Um, that whole first meeting between Cinder and Kai, later in the stars above, you get the version from his point of view. So you oh. 
and get all of this insight. Oh, cool. If that's your yeah. um, Did you see the smudge on her face? I'm curious. <laughs> a kid oil smudge on her face. I don't know that he mentions that actually. That's funny. So I, I mention it, but yeah, I forgot to bring that up earlier. The first time they ever meet, the moment the prince goes away, I goes like, "Too bad you have a huge oil smudge on your face." And Cinder's like, "No." Yeah. Also, before Cinder had gotten taken away, like when she returned home initially, she brought his android Nancy into like the basement storage little locker area that like. Audrey allows her to work on stuff and so in order to go fix the story she does actually also have to go back to the building um to get down there and I have no clue how that works like you know the scan and I have no clue how no idea that so might have been incentive though for going home yeah I mean maybe I mean she had definitely had to go get I go and get um the droid, you know, uh, for Prince Kai. So when she goes back, Audrey is very displeased. And I think this is when Audrey tells her that she sold off some other items as well. Yep. And, and that one of those items that she sold for parts was Ico. I think she even says something like, uh, there's like spare parts on your bed of this thing that I took apart. And so like, she doesn't even deign to call her Ico or the droid. I think she's just like, there's a pile of shit on your bed. And then she walks in and she's like, oh, no. That's later. It's my friend. That's later. Is it later? No, I thought it was right when she came back. Mm-hmm. And, like, when she was gone, Audrey just got rid of Iko too. It doesn't matter. Either way, Audrey kills Iko essentially. Uh, but she doesn't, like, Iko still has her personality chip. Yeah. Which is Iko, And so Cinder basically, either way, pockets the Iko chip. Yeah. And it's like, I'll find you a new body, essentially. <laughs> That's a little point. closer to the ball and everything, so. I mean, we're pretty close to the ball already. I, I'll address it whenever we get to it. <laughs> um, so essentially, like, from this point, like, she's back to working, and she has more run-ins with Prince Kai between going in for, um, to work with Dr. Erland, um, et cetera. We kind of get more of Kai's point of view at this point as well um, with what he's going through uh, with the emperor. Unfortunately, I'll just say the emperor dies. I don't remember when that happens in the book, um, but the emperor succumbs to Letimosis, um, the plague. Yeah. And so he dies and then Kai's supposed to be the new emperor and um, the lunar queen uh, telecoms, or, but not with the, the visual, she just basically calls. And one of the reasons is apparently her glamour will not work through the screens. <laughs> uh, but she calls to give her condolences and says that she's departing for Earth at once. Um, I, I don't know if we mentioned this, but this whole time her thaumaturge, which is a real, I guess, just a really good person with lunar powers. I don't have an eloquent way of saying this. <laughs> like one of her main people that can control other people for her, whatever. Her thaumaturge, Sybil Mira, has been here, like, months, I think, mm-hmm. basically, with Kai, trying to smooth the way for this type of thing and spy on him and do other nefarious things. But, um, yeah, the timing seems very suspicious of Sybil showing up and then the Emperor getting sick and suddenly there being this opportunity for Levana to come to Earth yeah. and create an uh, agreement with Prince Kai vis-a-vis marriage contract (laughs) yeah and it's like minutes after the emperor has died that she's coming 
Yeah, like, and he's, and they even asked, like, how does she know? Like, Prince Kai and his advisor are just told, like, they're just alerted. And he's trying to, like, grieve for, like, literally two minutes. And then it's like, bloop, 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 Queen Levana's calling with her condolences. And it's like, how did you know? Like, did you smother him with a pillow in the other room? Like, how did you know? You know? Yeah. Alicia, I feel like you want to speak. Oh, yeah. Well, I was going to say, so then Queen Levana ends up planning coming down, like, the next day or whatever. Um, and she's like, I'm in route. <laughs> yeah, pretty much was like, I'll see you tomorrow. Yeah. Um, anyway, so Cinder had run into Prince Kai not knowing that his father had died because she just left all these places and everyone's like, Emperor, our condolences. And he's just, and she's like, what? You know, and that's when she's like, oh, you didn't hear. And she's like, no, because she'd been with Peony and all that stuff, you know? Anywho. So he's like, why are you here again? She's like, oh, I have to go check on the Medroid for Dr. Erland and all that crap. So they go and see him together. All that stuff happens. Um, and then she ends up breaking the news to Dr. Erland that Queen Levana's coming. He starts freaking out. So he's just like, oh, snap. Like, pause. I'm skip some, we've skipped something. So when Ty, Ty, when Kai runs into her again, it's Dr. Erland has, like, outshorted her chip, essentially. Um, oh yeah. Kai comes in while she's fainted. And when she wakes up, Kai's there. Um, so poor Kai basically walks in and finds like Dr. Erland, like with Cinder, like fainted in his arms, essentially. This is like the second time they've met in Dr. Erland's office. And he's mm-hmm. like, what are you doing with the girl I like? And why is she unconscious? Yeah. Um, but Dr. Erland was like, I want to do an experiment and he basically like short like shorted out her little chip in her neck that he doesn't know what it does, yeah. which that seems like quite a way to experiment with like what does this chip in your neck do? You know what I mean? Yeah. Let's so just... now that she's kind of mentioned to him about Queen Lavana. She's getting some answers also from him about like why like she's so special for this vaccine. You know, or, like or the you know um, I don't know what I'm saying. Anyway, so. Sorry, Sophie has me distracted. <laughs> but anyway, so she ends up learning more about what, like, her DNA is showing and finds out that she, because she's asking him about lunars because she's clearly freaked out by them, like, they control you, and she's very prejudiced against lunars, and he's kind of, like, explaining, like, you know, they're oppressed people, like, they, you know, yes, they have the abilities to, like, do this and that with your, like, bioelectricity, but not all of them. So it gives her a little bit of a brief history um, and then basically drops a bombshell, like, oh, actually, you are lunar. And she's like, what? Like, freaked out. Like, no, I'm not one of those horrifying creatures that creeps me out when I look at the moon. Like, I think they're watching me. Oh, but I am. So she gets a little bit of uh, insight about that, that he tells her that she's a shell. And that's why she's gone undetected. Um, and that is also why she is immune to lunatomosis, uh, or however you say it um because you know it originated on the lunar planet right yeah exactly so he not only in like one fell swoop tells her you're a lunar he tells her lunars are immune Mm -hmm. um and also that he's a lunar Mm -hmm. yeah he does tell her he's a lunar because he references our like when he's explaining it like our ability for this and she's like you said our he's like what and she's like that means that you're lunar. And he was like, 
yes, it does. You know what I mean? But he tells her, like, you can't come back here anymore. If Queen Levana's coming and she sees that you, like, she'll recognize that you're a shell. Like, she will kill you. Like, you are a target. You cannot ever come back here. Blah, 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 blah. And, of course, like, she's got to um, fix Kai's android, too. Like, he, she's promised. She's like, okay, I promise. I won't, you know, I won't ever come back. You know, but she does. Um Wait, did she go home after that? I'm trying to remember. Um, I think so. She goes back to work on the Android. Did um, I do have something? Go ahead, Susie. I just want to make sure. And again, my you said you were distracted by your dog. My kid keeps coming in, so I keep missing things. Um, did you mention that Kai has asked her to the ball several times at this point? Did we already talk about that? We have not talked about that. Good remember good memory there, yeah. Because that's the night that she's going to get in her pumpkin car and escape. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And also she's not a dress, but he keeps asking her and she's like, no. Yeah. <laughs> like, but really? And she's like, no. Yeah. I think he like asks her in front of Dr. Erland the first time, which is super awkward because Dr. Erland just like, I'm in the room. You know what I mean? And he's like, well, she's a lunar. She's a cyborg. Like, this mm-hmm. is it. You guys seem pretty star-crossed at this point. You know what I mean? <laughs> Um, and so she like basically turns him down. You're right in front of Dr. Erland and then leaves. And Dr. Erland's like, so that was weird. You know? Second condolence to you, Kai. Yeah. And she's like, why didn't you tell him what I am? And he's like, what, how would that help me? Like, how would that help anything? You know what I mean? Like, it's not my information to share, you know? Mm -hmm. Um, I don't know if he exactly tells her that she's a shell specifically, um, but he does mention the chip in her neck and that the person that the father, stepfather to be that adopted her had worked on a prototype to disguise people as shells. Yeah. Um, and so, that a little later, but yeah, basically she does learn that information too. At this point, she thinks she's a shell. Um, I know she thinks she's a shell because she's like blended in, you know, with everyone. And that's why she doesn't have powers. You know, and I think he says, like, that could probably just be it, but, you know, there also was this technology being developed to help lunars pretend to be shells, to, like, suppress their abilities. You know what I mean? Um, So, so either way, we can just kind of skip, because, like, a bunch of stuff happens. I just want to say something real quick, real quick. When she goes home to go work on um, Nancy, or whatever, how you pronounce his little android, Mm -hmm. uh, Ico is still alive at this point. And as she's running her thing, she's like, maybe it's like a software issue. And she's nervous because she knows that there might be some sense of information that he needs on it. So she's like, hey, Iko, do you want to like plug this in? She was like, I don't want to get my brain scrambled. So thanks, but no thanks. And so as she's looking through it, she discovers there's like a little panel with all these little plugins. And there's 13 of them. And there's normal only 12. So she like confirms that. Because I was like, what's that in there? And sure enough, it is a decom chip lodged in the android that doesn't need to be there because the decom chip essentially allows direct communication from like off planet and that's not something that most androids need because they have a different kind of user face and um communication mechanism so she removes it and then um i think she throws it into that broken um port screen or whatever and it's Mm -hmm. just rolling scroll but nothing's happening but the android starts powering back up so you're on the next bullet point on my list of notes yes i wanted to uh, my thing keeps turning off sorry 
<laughs> so I want to make sure I pointed that out. Yes, that is the next. It's very important. That is a key, key piece of information in the plot. That the next thing that happens is she goes and tries to fix Nancy, finds the the decom chip, which just kind of seems like it was jammed in there, pulls it out. Nancy powers back up and just starts continuing where she was at in her transmission of info. And the info is about the potential whereabouts of Princess Celine. Um, and she doesn't hear all of it. She definitely didn't hear the beginning. Uh, she tells Nancy to stop giving the information. And that's when Nancy kind of like, blah, blah, and then realizes that, you know, she's not talking to Prince Kai or anyone that she knows. She is talking to a strange girl in a basement, you know? <laughs> and it's basically like, who are you, etc. Um, and then that's when she's like, we need to get you back to Prince Kai. You know, you, Nancy, the android, back to Prince Kai. Um, but she doesn't put the decom chip back in because she thinks the entrance of the decom chip stopped the transmission. Um, and so um, she goes to take Nancy back to the prince. Now, at this point, Lavana has arrived. There's a crowd of people of Earthlings, like, basically protesting in front of the palace that, like, get Lavana out of here. You know, the, the lunar shouldn't be on Earth, et cetera, et cetera. Um, and then and Cinder is there as well with Nancy. She's trying to get through. Uh, the guards basically let Nancy through because Nancy has her own little ID chip. Um, but Cinder does not have the correct pass, um, some sort of like basically visitor's pass, like approved person pass, and she doesn't have that. So the guards can't let her in uh, through the protests, especially. Um, so Nancy like is like, I'll let, you know, Prince Kai know, you know, that you want to talk to him or whatever in leaves. And then, you know, she feels pretty ridiculous for like, she doesn't need to give Prince Kai Nancy. It's not like he, she actually needs to collect payment. That's like her excuse is that she needs to collect payment. But she realizes mostly she just wants to see Prince Kai and also make sure Nancy is back to Prince Kai, you know? And so Nancy rolls out literally. Um, and so, and goes inside and that's when he interrupts the meeting. So, but meanwhile, um, Kai has been dealing with Lavana and her creepiness. And he's realized that if he can like inflict pain on himself, like pinching his skin or something, he can like break her little spell because her glamour is working on Kai um, and he, it terrifies him because he does not want to fall in love with Queen as beautiful as she may be. He knows that she's like pure evil. <laughs> um, and so uh, Nancy shows up and interrupts one of their little interactions. Um, and then he finds out that Cinder is like, was outside waiting to see him and then kind of rushes out to see Cinder. But meanwhile, Cinder has been like in the protest with people um, the angry human protest of Earthlings. And Lavana just kind of comes out on the balcony and basically suddenly everyone is just overwhelmed with feelings of like trusting Lavana and loving Lavana. And she wants what's best for Earthlings. She wants what's best for all of us. She's not a threat, you know, like she's basically incepting their minds, you know, and Cinder is feeling this as well. And that's when she starts to question, like if she's a... If she's a shell, then how is she being influenced by Lavana? You know what I mean? And like, she basically kind of snaps out of it with this realization. And that's when she sees like Lavana staring at her through the crowd. And then she's just terrified and she kind of like runs away. Um, go ahead. 
she kind of scurries away, but everyone starts leaving as Lavana goes back inside. Mm -hmm. um, we also need to mention that Lavana, when she came in and met with Kai and everything, um, she ended up being like, I don't know if this is the appropriate time. This is a gift I brought, but I decided mm -hmm. I'll give it to you now versus later. So it doesn't seem like I have any missed intentions. But my, you know, scientists on Lunar have been working on a cure for this disease that's ravaging your world. And we got one just hours before we departed. So here's a sample vial of this, um, you know, whatever it's called. Cure for Lunamosis. Cure for Lunamosis. Yeah, and I can get my scientists working on it and get a whole bunch of these, you know, vials of cure for you guys um, if we can strike a deal you know, essentially to sign this treaty or whatever. So mm -hmm. he's pretty fired up because he's just like bullshit that you just suddenly came up with secure right after my dad died. Like timing's perfect. You know what I mean? <laughs> what? Oh, she was just like, oh, oopsie, it's too late for him. Sorry. Oh, darn. You know, literally five minutes after your dad died, we came up with a cure. Like... <laughs> Timing's just so ironic. Oh, you know. If you marry me, and only if you marry me, I will give you the cure. Like you save all of your people hmm. for all of Earth, not just not just New Beijing. And he's like horrified. He's like, you would let people die when you have a cure instead of you like you, you would withhold that information. And she's just like, well, you know, welcome to politics. You know what I mean? <laughs> Well, also, like, pre all this stuff, she's been threatening war on Earth for quite some time, like, for years. So, like, there's a lot of trust issues there. Yeah. <laughs> um, yeah. A little naive of Kai to think yeah. that she wouldn't with dangle a carrot over his head. You know what I mean? Um, but, yeah, so that happens. So then, yeah, like, of course, Lavana's pissed off. She's like, what is this trash android doing here? She doesn't believe in them. Yada, yada, yada. And he's like obviously fed up with her because he just saw her like exert control over all the humans so easily. And he's just like quite disturbed. Um, and he was like basically makes up a quick excuse to remove Nessini or Nancy from his presence, her presence or whatever, and to like kind of escape. And then Torrin's like, How would you like a tour of the gardens? You know what I mean? So being nice and political and all that crap. So he escapes, and that's when she basically, uh, Nancy was like, Oh yeah, send her game you know she's outside so he goes to retrieve her mm -hmm. um and then they go inside and i think they end up going back up to see dr erlen again because mm -hmm. he has the care vial in his pocket mm -hmm. yeah and that's when he asks her out as a second time to be her date and she's just like no which is also at this point also been forbidden by audrey like audrey's already said like you cannot go officially before she kind of said, Oh, maybe if you do all these things and find your own dress somehow, but now she's officially like, you can't go kind of thing. But she's just like, also now knows that she's lunar and a shell. And she was like, this would be really bad. Like he would be mortified if he took me to the ball and like, didn't know that I was also a cyborg and a lunar. Like this would be bad. You know? So she's like, Nope, can't go. Sorry. You know, so I keep but making excuses. And I feel, and that's when she tells him about Peony, right? Like, they're, like, in the elevator. He, like, stops the elevator and is, like, go with the, go with me to the ball. Like, I like being with you, and you can help me get away from Lavana. You know what I mean? Like, he's, like, I need you there. Like, it'll be so much easier if you're there with me or whatever. And that's when she's, like, well, my sister's a little bit of so I just can't go because it's really messed up if I went. You know? 
Yeah, she really is like with you. <laughs> yeah, and he has the like potential cure in his pocket, and he's like, well, you know. <laughs> Uh, there may be a cure. So, you know, and that's when she gets him to agree that if there's a cure, if Peony recovers, that he'll dance with Peony at the ball. Mm -hmm. And so like that, you know, she's like, if we can go, if it's a miracle, you know, will you dance with my sister at the ball, et cetera. But she doesn't agree to go. She's like, I can't go still. Um, and then Kai gives Erland the cure, uh, to see if it can be replicated. Because if, if we can replicate this cure on Earth, then we don't need an agreement with Levana still. Like, all of Earth can be saved, this horrifying agreement with Levana, etc. Um, and so Erland is like, I don't remember exactly what happens, but he gives a little bit of it, like the Emperor's dead, so he gives a little bit of it um, uh, to Cinder for Peony. Are we ready to talk about this part? I will. I was going to say, this is when she, like, faints in the elevator with Kai, because he, like, leaned yeah. towards her, he was going to kiss her, and she, like, basically, like, overloaded and was like, <laughs> like, pass this out, and he's, like, freaked out, she was just like, what's wrong with this girl? She keeps just fainting. You're right, I couldn't remember why he, they went back to Dr. Earl's office, but That's yeah. That's why they, like, she came with, because, yeah, she basically fainted with, like, the overwhelmingness of sexy Kai coming in, coming in for a kiss, and she just started passing out. Yeah, and later Dr. Ellen's like, what happened? It caused your overreaction. And she's like, nothing. <laughs> I don't know. There was I mean, a why are you here? <laughs> yeah, why, like, why, yeah, because he's mad. He told her not to come back to the palace at all. Um, and then she's just like there. You also um, have to know that Lavana saw her there too. And he's just like, I will give you this little bit of a cure for this, your sister, if you promise you will never come back here. And she's like, okay. And he was just like, get out now. Yeah. Does someone, do you want to talk about this next part with Peony? Sure. Should we so, talk about the sad part, Susie? <laughs> <laughs> um, if I forget anything, let me know. Um, I mean, she just goes straight there, right? She goes. Yeah, she like rushes there. Um. And then, I mean, she gets there and she's, she's just too late. I don't really remember this, but I just remember how sad I was. It was just, got it. go for it. <laughs> yeah, so she rushes there. Um, she finds her sister because she'd also brought her like a crochet blanket. So she stood out more. Mm -hmm. And so she finds her and um, Peony is just super like lethargic. And she's like, Peony, Peony, wake up, wake up, wake up. And she's just like, oh, like she's very like, you know, like, just very, like, weak, and she's just, like, I need you to, like, set up, like, I have something for you, and then she's trying to whisper, she doesn't want people to hear, like, she's got a cure, because mm -hmm. that would be bad, you know, and she was just, like, peeing, and she's, like, mom, like, asking for her, and she, like, kind of sits her up again, and she's, like, Peony, I need you to open your lips, and she realizes that Peony is no longer, like, responding, and that she has passed, so she, like, literally just missed her, um, so then she, is like obviously like just loses it she's just devastated she has the cure like uncorked in her hand you know and she can't save her sister and then the medroids of course like they're alerted when one of these people pass so they come by to like steal her chip and send her like spills a little bit of her cure but like, corks it and like freaks out on this thing and it's like kind of like disabling slash stabbing it you know uh mm -hmm. with its like scalpel and before another one comes over, she, like, snatches a scalpel up and ends up cutting her sister's chip out. 
because she's just like, you can't have this. Like, I don't know what is happening with these, but like, you will not get her chip. So she does that. And as she's about to flee the scene, because obviously another Metroid's coming near her. So she's just like, gotta get out of here. Um, she recognizes Sunto, the boy, which was Sasha's son there. And he had seen her and he also looked terrified. She had like a scalpel in her hand and all this stuff. And so she kind of rushes to him and she is like, I need you to take this now. And he was like, what? She's like, shut up and drink this. So he does. And then she like escapes and he makes a miraculous recovery. Mm-hmm. So like, that's a whole new story because no one has yet to survive this. And now there's just like some strange little boy with all those people that makes that alive. Um, so it's pretty, pretty sad. Um, I'm trying to remember after that. I so I will, I will say what's after that. So. Oh, I do know what I was going to say about this too with, with, um, sorry, this is the thing that happened. So while she's with P and E, she keeps getting like multiple comms from Adri, where she's at, where she's at, and she's not responding. So then as she's leaving, she gets apprehended by um, these, not med droids, but some sort of droids. And at first she thinks it's because she attacked, you know, the med droid. And she's like, I didn't do it or whatever. And then she realizes that they're like, you know, you're, you haven't been like, like you've been away from your war too long. She's like essentially like bringing you back. Like, you know, you're kind of arrested situation. And she's like, are you serious? Like you guys are picking me up because I'm late for my curfew or something like that. And so um, that's when she goes home. And also that is not long after when Adri basically dismantles Aiko and she finds her in a box on her bed. Ashley, I'll let you take over. I just want to remember, I forgot the comms are coming through during the whole very emotional scene. Right. Because, so. yeah, because Audrey has the ability to track her. Uh, she realizes she's not at the market. She's not at the house. She's, Audrey's also simultaneously getting the updates about Letamosis for her daughter dying. And she just reports Cinder is stolen. Or not stolen, but is runaway. You know? And so, but Cinder doesn't get taken by the droid. She just rolls out and then goes home. Um, I only know that because they have the video feed later of someone in the Letamosis containment facility fighting the metadroids and giving the little boy something that recovered, but they can't tell who it is because they can't see her face. Um, and she wasn't apprehended. She escaped. So she goes home once again to Audrey. And it's furious because she's like, you reported me as a runaway. Like, what is wrong with you? And she's just like, where were you? Why are you at the palace? You shouldn't have been there. Blah, 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 blah. You're, you know, my responsibility. Do you even know what's going on? Blah, blah, blah. Obviously, she knows what's going on because she was just there with Peony, but she can't explain that, you know? Um, And so Audrey's basically like, you're grounded, essentially. She's like, I'm taking away even more of your responsibilities than I I think you're right. That's when she's like, I got rid of Ico and um, do you want to talk? Yes. Oh yeah. And she's like, I took your foot. She realizes from going through Ico's scanning logs that. Oh yeah. I'd use 600 youths, which was like a, a lot of money, which technically was Adri's, even though she's the one that like earned the money for the new foot. And so because Cinder quote unquote has been stealing for her and also used multiple hovercraft, you know, like essentially taxis. Um, she used a taxi like one time. <laughs> yeah, but since she 
recorded this. That's why she decided she was like, you know, how dare you steal from me? That's money for our family. You know, you don't need this foot. So she takes her foot away from her. And that's when she also was like, I have some, I've sold some of your stuff off and I have some spare stuff for you on your, in your bedroom. And that's when she discovers Ico dismantled and many of her own parts have been sold off. Mm-hmm. So that's why she takes her personality chips. Yeah. It's a bad day. <laughs> she lost like two sisters essentially in one day. Yeah. So Cinder's having a bad time. So, and I'm sorry, my dogs are being dogs. Um, what are you guys doing? Why is everyone wanting to sit on me very suddenly? Sorry. <laughs> Deal with this. Well, wait, Teddy, cut it out. Like, Puppy gets in my lap. Teddy doesn't like to be in my lap because he doesn't like to sit in laps. And so, but if, if Poppy's in my lap and wants to peony, then Teddy will bark at me because he doesn't want Poppy in my lap because he is jealous. <laughs> so, silly gooses. So yeah, so now essentially like this is the part of the story where they're gonna go off to the ball and like Cinderella would normally be like locked in the room or whatever, you know what I mean? So um, so that's basically it. But Cinder's like, I'm out of here. Like this is my time for my skate. She has Peony's chip, ID chip. She has Iko's personality chip. They're, she's ready to go. Um, and she has her old car her pumpkin for means of escape. Um, and she's like ready to go. And that's when she sees like the decom chip in her room. And well, it's like, just one what? quick thing. What? Um, yeah, that's what I was going to talk about. Yeah. Um, like days before the ball is day, so she's working in the market. She doesn't have her foot and like peony and Audrey her to walk like on her crutches with no foot and then Kai comes in hands her a box again he probably asks her to the ball again yeah he does gives her a box with I don't know if she opens it yet or I don't think she ends up opening it Pearl takes it from her and opens it Kai is there and is like a crazy little bitch (laughs) and then she realizes who it is and she's like what and she's a terrible person Mm-hmm. he leaves I don't remember he makes a comment because she like drops off all of her boxes from shopping once again yeah. they're hurting for money yet they just spend it like lavishly and she's like uh send her put this in the back if you can find somewhere clean like in this disgusting place and he, he was just like rude you know like <laughs> please and she was like like went to like be like who are you and she's like oh my god prince Kai uh in like bonds and he's just like clearly doing an assessment of her, like you're a real bitch. You know, she's like, "This is my stepsister, Pearl." Mm-hmm. Yep, that's uh, who this is. I'll, uh, you know, he, she, like, he ends up leaving. She's like, you know, I can't remember if he like has to go, but she's like, "Okay, thank you," you know, for the payment for fixing your droid or whatever. And that's when Pearl's like, "Oh my god, what is this?" And she like, she's like seriously silk gloves and just starts making fun of her like you think he'd really be into you you're disgusting cyborg you know she's a real bitch and throws him on the ground and then she steps like, on that. Shit <laughs> and takes her boxes and just gets like oil and fills her entire toolbox and everything she's like super upsetting so yeah that was horrible yeah she doesn't have a foot so then she has to limp back because she it's been like a week since peony died between these time frames so she's like limping back and she was like, this is the day <laughs> I'm, like, I'm escaping this house. I like, I, I forgot like, am 
my favorite part, I think, of that interaction is, um, is when Pearl is like, if he knew what you were, he would never give you a passing glance. Mm-hmm. And she's like, kind of like he did you. Yeah. Right now, knowing, knowing that you're human. You know what I mean? <laughs> like, so would it be less attention than what he just paid to you? Or would it be the same? You know? Like, <laughs> and so that was like a lovely burn. Um, and so, yeah, so poor Cinder is having like a hard time and she's like, I'm getting out of here. Um, and so they leave for the ball, um, in like a hover. And that's when she like finds, I'm going to go back to the decom chip. And I don't remember, does she plug it into herself or does she plug it into something else? I feel like she plugs it into into the port screen that that, uh, Audrey had broken. Like when she got like really mad about like, I think it's been in this whole time. What? Sorry. I think she's had it in for a while, but it's just been spinning. It's been in for, like, two weeks, where it's just been, like, reporting, like, the same, like, line of, like, connecting, connecting, or something like that, but obviously not working. Um, And, yeah, I think at this point, her mom and sister have officially left to go to the ball, which also, Pearl also made a nasty comment about how she's going to tell Prince Kai when she dances with him Mm -hmm. about, like, what Cinder is. And Cinder dropped the whole, like, basically tidbit of like I got Prince Kai to tell me that he would like dance with Peony if she made it kind of thing and yeah yeah, so that was a whole upsetting thing but anyway so yeah so now she's back there gathering a little satchel (laughs) like I just like feel like she's gonna have like a little bag and a stick and just like walk out you know (laughs) it's gonna let her but um anyway so she's gathering up stuff right as and she's down there and this little like voice emerges from the port screen like hello like hello can anyone hear me and she's like what the hell you know that's when she realizes that it's finally connected to some stranger um Mm -hmm. she can't see him initially because it's messed up and she fixes the video portion of it and it's a girl with like messy long hair like an insane amount of long hair like you know tangled and everything um and she starts crying and communicating stuff i'll let you take over ashley so this is the lunar who Susie knows Susie knows her name and I do not <laughs> I tell you this just came up earlier I wasn't sure if we find out who she is in this we don't she we don't we find out in this, the next book because yeah anyway you'll have to wait Ashley but she works for the thaumaturge Sybil yeah. um mistress Sybil is that what you said she calls her I think that's, that's right she calls her yeah yeah and she has like a mess of, I think it's like white blonde hair. Um, and it's like, and, I, and she says that like, it would be pretty if it was like taken care of basically. And then that made me think of like, are all lunars just like a hot mess, but they can glamour you? Like are all lunars like me and like my sweatpants and like messy hair. And then like, but to you, I'm like ready to go to a ball because I'm just glamouring you. And then I was like, that is what I would do if I had this ability. You know? <laughs> Absolutely. I feel like I'm ready to go. Boom. But, you know, who cares? You know? But anyway, but so she, this lunar girl who starts communicating with her, um, tells her that she has information that has to go to Prince Kai right now. And she's terrified. I felt so bad for her because at this point, Cinder's had a really hard go of it. So Cinder's not in a place to be very compassionate. And she's just like, oh, I'm going to get killed for sharing this information. And but I have to share it. And Cinder's just like, spit it out. I don't care. <laughs> she's like, you're interrupting my escape plan, you know. Uh, but basically, she confesses that um, 
Lavana wants to marry Kai. And then once they're married, she plans on essentially just killing him and waging war on Earth anyways. Like this treaty is a ruse uh, just to get to Earth and to become powerful. She has no intention for peace. Um, earlier, previously, not that important, but there had been a meeting of all the world leaders uh, where they had shown uh, images collected of basically warriors on uh, the moon, like potentially like dog warriors and like all these sorts of things that had been created that they had not seen before. So they know like the moon is ready for war and they know that if they go to war with the moon, they will lose. So they're terrified. So, but this like child essentially on the other line of this decom is like, this is all fake. <laughs> she's never gonna, she's never gonna go for peace. She's never gonna be happy just marrying Kai and having power of the moon and new Beijing. You know, she's like, Kai can't marry her. Um, you have to tell him. And so uh, then Cinder realizes what this would mean, not just for Kai, um, who she cares a lot about, but also for Oliver. Like, even if she drives her car to Europe and gets free of Audrey, she's not going to be able to get free of the war the queen would bring to Earth, you know? And so she has to warn Kai, and she realizes it. So she grabs Peony's dress that she never got to wear to the ball, throws it on, and rolls out, essentially, like, on her mission to get to the palace to warn Kai. She also discovers that, because Aiko had saved the dress when she was supposed to, like, burn all of Peony's stuff or whatever, mm -hmm. but she also discovers that Aiko had saved Cinder's, like, child foot, robot foot. Yeah. So she's able to not hobble in there on crutches. She's able to show up with a small foot that fits in Peony's shoes, at least. Um, yeah. Whatever. Because she um, always wears boots and she always wears gloves to cover up her cybernetic parts. Yeah, which I think Peony's boots are more, like, dressy. You know, it's like a little bit of heel versus she's kind of... I always envision her boots more, like, combat-y, like... You know what I mean? Like, right. for actual, like, wear and tear. <laughs> not for fashion. Yeah. Um, yeah and so yeah so she goes to the ball and this part of the book is so cringeworthy like mm -hmm. honestly when i got to this part of the book and i remembered how this went down yeah. i was like <sighs> it's like yeah. all right I, I can't give this book four and a half stars because i hate how cringy this is so basically everything is about to go wrong for cinder like generally this is the part of the story where like sure like it goes, it's going to go wrong. She's going to have to leave the ball. Like, we know how Cinderella goes. Uh, but then there's going to be, like, the redemption at the end. You know? Like, we'll cut that part out of your mind. It's just going to be bad. Cinder arrives, um, and she looks pretty disheveled. Like, let's be honest. Like, yeah, she's wearing Peony's dress, but she's come straight from mechanic work. Um, she's a hot mess still. Like, there was no fairy godmother here to, like, doll her up, essentially. Like, Dr. Erlen did not show her how to use her potentially lunar powers to make herself more beautiful. She also drew that, drove that very musty, old, uh, diesel used car in, so she has to smell awful. Yeah, she probably didn't smell great. So this guy is, like, one of the security people is like, who the hell are you? I need to, like, make sure you should be here. And she's like, aren't all citizens invited? And he's like, not you. You look gross. <laughs> and then he's, like, drenched in rain, too. So she, like, looks like the worst image you can imagine showing up covered in mud, like. Right. It just breaks my heart. Right. So she's gross looking, basically. She's just dirty and wet and probably smelly. Um, 
And he like scans her thing. And then he's like, I love how his attitude just changes because he realizes that she is uh, Prince Kai's special guest. Because he put her on the list just on the off chance she showed up that he would be alerted that she's a special guest. So instead, this guy changes from like, get out of here, like trash people to like, ooh, well, you're fancy. So he's like, let me announce you for the ball. And like, why she didn't stop him? Why? You know, she's like, announce me? What? No, you need to process faster, girl. Like, you need to figure out that he's about to give away your secret to not only any lunar there, which we know Levana's is there, but like your horrible family, who I'm honestly more scared of still, also at the ball. But instead, she does nothing except for like have internal panic, apparently. And then he's like, announcing Lincinda, the Prince Kai special guest. And like, Audrey cannot handle this and as like prince kai sees her and then like starts to make his way over to her like audrey intervenes first and it's like what are you doing here you disgusting trash baby like she's just the worst she's like and you're here in peony's dress take it off like i'm surprised she didn't like rip it off of her like right there in front of everyone and she's like you're the worst and you don't belong here and like i don't remember exactly what she says but this is the vibe of it um what she slaps her she was going to slap her yeah that's right she's gonna slap her basically she's like i wish they killed you in the cyber draft like she's like all of all of audrey's like suppressed rage has come out in this moment in the ball while everyone is watching in like the new beijing gathering so yeah you're right she goes to like slap her across the face and kai like stops her and is like hello it's me prince kai and Audrey's like, she doesn't belong here. And he's like, of course she does. She's my special guest. Like, did you not hear the announcer guy? Like, I asked her to come. And then Audrey's like, oh. and I guess it's like the only just, like, this is the only good part is when he like cards her away from Audrey and then they go dance. Yeah. But it was, it was still so horrible and cringeworthy, like that her, him getting her away, like doesn't even, like, I wasn't even like relieved. And then she thinks because she'd already seen him talking to Pearl but Pearl has already spilled the beans on her being a cyborg. And he's like, so that's the family, essentially. You know, like, Jesus Christ. Like, think twice about marrying in Kai. And she's like, she's like, yeah, that's horrible. You know, he's like, why didn't you feel like you could tell me? And she's like, well, obviously, like, my family makes me feel super awful about myself all the time. I wasn't going to tell you I'm a cyborg. He's like, it doesn't matter. You know, you should have told me. I should have known. And that's when she kind of starts to figure out that they're not thinking the same things. Like she thinks he knows that she's a cyborg and he's still willing to not only talk to her, but also dance with her at the ball and not be disgusted by her. But instead she realizes that he's talking about something completely different. And that's when he's like, you should have told me that your sister died. You know, I would have understood why, you know, why you didn't feel like you could come, even though her actual mother and sister are fucking here. But, you know, like, why you felt like you, you were too upset to come, blah, blah, blah. And she's like, oh, yeah, shit. He's like, oh, I'm sorry for your loss, blah, blah, blah. And so she basically is like, well, this isn't going my way. She's like, I have to talk to you right now. She's like, I got intercepted data from, you know, the lunars. Like, I need to tell you stuff right now. And he's like, what, it, like, this is not what he expects from his local mechanic. And he's like, what do you mean? And she's like, it doesn't matter where I got the information. You just need to come with me so I can tell it to you. And so, like, luckily she pulls him aside. Um, and she's able to basically, like, get the info out, which 
so scared that she's gonna like be prevented from like sharing the info but she basically is like top 10 highlights she's gonna kill you anyway she's still gonna wage war on earth this marriage alliance can completes nothing you can't marry her etc so mentions that the chip was weird and had like that weird like diamond like mm -hmm. reflective glittery material and because she was like i've never seen anything like it and she describes and he's like I have, that's on their spaceships. And then he knows for sure that like Sybil probably is the one that put the decom chip in, you know what I mean, to spy on him. So now it's like kind of coming full circle for him mm -hmm. as well. I'm like, oh shit, this is not good <laughs> for me. He's like supposed to make his announcement like right now that he's marrying Levana. For, for the people, yeah. Well, yeah, for the people. Um, no, for her beauty. <laughs> and suddenly, like, this is the only time I did not care for his, um, oh, what's the word? Advisor. Advisor guy. Because mm -hmm. the advisor's like, we've got to do it right now. And he's like, there's new information. I can't marry her. And he's like, it's too late for that. Like, wouldn't you be like, what is this information? Like, at all cost, if there's a way to not marry Lavana, you know what I mean? Like... Like, and he had already told her before, like, when Prince Kai told him that he was searching for Princess Selene, because Prince Kai this whole time, sorry, we should have covered this earlier, has been searching for Princess Selene because there's rumors that she's still alive. Like, that's what Nancy was transmitting about. Um, was she not killed by the fire? Was she snuck to Earth? Um, has someone been harboring her this whole time? And if so, how do we find Princess Selene? Because she would be the rightful heir to the lunar throne, not Lavana. So she would be able to basically supersede Lavana and dethrone her. And then if Kai can marry Selene, if she's not a total psychopath, if he can marry Selene instead to create an actual treaty, and then Lavana wouldn't have any power to do anything about it. And so, like, the advisor knows all of this has been going on, and he's just kind of been, like, actively discouraging it, because he's like, if Lavana finds out you're searching for Celine, she'll be angry. And I'm like, Lavana is always angry, so I don't see why that matters. And so suddenly Kai's like, there's new information. And he's like, we're too late for that. Kai, you must marry this witch. And so, yeah. So last stitch effort, final nail in the coffin for Cinder is probably self-esteem. She, this is the worst. She grabs Kai and then kisses him in front of Lavana because Lavana has now come out and she's kissing him in front of everyone. And she's like, You can't marry her because you love me. Also, like, didn't reciprocate the kiss either. Which That's makes what I was going to say next. He doesn't kiss her back at all. He's frozen. He's frozen. It's just horrible. Like, does he like her? Probably. Does that matter? He's a prince. Not really. You know what I mean? Like he, this is his friend. She's given him this information. He's determined that it doesn't matter. And that for his people, he has to try. And the only thing he can try is to still marry Levana's horrible butt. And so she tries to like, what, like Levana was going to be so jealous, you know, that she wouldn't marry Kai. She's trying something, but it's just very cringeworthy. It's just so horrible. So instead he just kind of pulls away horrified. Yeah. And, like, apologizes to Lavana for what that was. And Lavana's just like, do you think I give a crap if you have, like, mistresses? She's like, this is a political alliance. You can have relationships with whoever you want, and I do not care at all, you know? Mm -hmm. And so Cinder's just like, boo. 
you know? And she's like, but it doesn't seem like you want a relationship with her anyway. Zing. Also, she's lunar. Boom. So this is a captive lunar. I'm now going to take possession of her. And, well, it's just also, so bad. Like, this, um, grounds for war. She's been harboring. Right. A lunar, and you're apparently friends with her, so it's like even more like ammo against Kai. She was your special guest, you know? And so, you know, she's like, you're so awful that you're running a government that you couldn't even determine that she was a lunar. And she's like, so yeah, you're going to hand her over to me, and we're going to get married, or I'm going to create war still. So, yeah. So, and this is the part of the book, which is kind of weird, because... Cinder basically, like, short-circuits herself. Does anyone want to cover this part? Like, how she makes her escape? Yeah. I can, Susie, if you don't want to. Go for it. Okay. So, during this, like, you know, when she's just like, I'm going to take her captive, like, and she's like, you're going to kill me. And she's like, you're smart. Yeah, I'm going to kill you. Like, you shouldn't be alive, stupid shell. Trash cell. Anyway, so then... uh, You what? Lavana thinks she's a shell. Yeah, and that's what she she references her as a shell. And then um, I can't remember how it goes down, but she says something, and Lavana uses like or has one of the guards essentially um, like grab a hold of Cinder and everything. And then she Lavana gets really mad, and he feels her surge of power, so he like lets go of Cinder as like. Lavana essentially uses her power to like control, like basically use Cinder's arm to grab his gun and like put it to her head. And uh, so she just like realizes like I'm not in control and like Kai's like stop, stop, you know, and she's just like, no. You know, so thankfully Cinder's user interface acknowledges this like lack of control and this like manipulation of like the bioelectricity and essentially gives her like right before the triggers pull the ability to like break her arm free and like shoot the gun in the air and so then i think cinder like before she tries to escape um she ends up like using the gun to like shoot at levana which of course a guard gets in the way and like takes the bullet he doesn't even flinch he's like whatever gunshot wound i don't care um and levana like uses her power she's all crazy and it somehow causes like cinder to like just snap essentially and she like overrides her power system and just like lets out like this massive like a bit like bound of like energy that she's never used before which now has shown like that she is not a shell in fact because she made a comment like i'm not a shell and, and she showed it and so like lavana's just like you've got to be kidding me and like fear kind of like crosses her face and yeah, that's like the it's moment not possible and yeah yeah, it's not possible. And so at that moment, everyone's, like, so distracted that, like, Cinder, like, takes off. <laughs> you know what I mean? She's trying to run away in the rain. And as she's running down the stairs, of course, her shitty child foot snaps. So then she also, once again, has a epic failure of falling down the stairs with, like, a broken robotic foot. Great. And, of course, everyone comes out to witness it. So, like, Kai sees it. And he's just, like, horrified. Um, and... Lavana's guys, I can't remember how to pronounce them, but they all like run down and like the one Sybil stops Lavana because there's a camera. And so mm-hmm. she stops her from coming forth. Um, and then the thumb tarages or however you say it, like apprehend her. And they're like, we're taking her, she's gonna die. And Kai is like, he also, before all this happened, I think, is that what you're gonna say? 
No. So he gets to her first on the stairs before the lunars do. Like, yeah, he yeah. grabs it and picks up the foot. Right. And he chases, and he didn't know that she was a cyborg, um, and chases her down the stairs. And then he didn't know she was a lunar. And then he's like, was it all a lie? Was all of this manipulation, were you tricking me the whole time? And she's just like, no, but she can't explain it. There's a time to explain all of this would have been like three times ago when you saw him and just telling him the truth. But instead, yeah, she's like, no, you know, it wasn't a lie. I promise I wasn't lying to you. And he's like, how can I trust you? And then um, that's when the Lunars come and like basically apprehend her and take her away. And Pi's basically like, listen, you can take her when you leave. And he's like, but I will not marry you. Don't take this personally, <laughs> but, you know, we need to come to a different treaty, a different agreement, blah, blah, blah. And Levana's basically like, this is the only way we were coming to an agreement. So you just committed your entire, con- your entire planet to war with me, essentially. And he's like, well, I hope not. But, you know, if it is, it is. And then they take Cinder away. She gets, like, locked up. And then once again, to Susie's point, her memory keeps playing that stuff over on a loop. Which, I mean, is just, like, the most cringeworthy ending to a book. Like, everything went just so horribly wrong. And then the doctor shows up. Do you guys want me to talk about the doctor? Yeah, she's been there for, like, I think, like, 14 hours at this point. Right. And she's supposed to stay in in the prison cell until the lunars leave, like, the following day or whatever it is. They're leaving on the moon cycle. So they'll be leaving. So they're supposed to take her with them at that moment. Right. So they're just waiting for the stars to literally line to take her back to the moon and then to kill her there. So um, suddenly she gets a visitor. Um, The visitor is Dr. Erlen. He comes in. He, like, convinces the guard with his lunar Jedi abilities to, like, let her, let him in to draw blood uh, for some kind of experiment, etc., and then to get alone with Cinder. So he's in the room with her, and he explains, look, I brought you this brand new foot, and I brought you this hand, and it does all these things, like there's like tranquilizer darts, there's like bullets, like it can shoot, like it's like a gun, it's a hand, it's like some sort of cool like Terminator power hand, like it's super cool, you know, he's like, it can like drill things, like I don't know, but it can do like so many things like a swiss army knife of hands and she's like awesome thanks so much for all of this like how cool of you and he's like sorry that i didn't have time to get skin graft and i'm like that would have been really cool if you had done that but whatever and he's like i'm leaving for africa three minutes i'm going to africa and he's like i want you to come with me so she's like look at my reality like i'm not going anywhere except the moon to go be killed by lavana like have fun in africa but i don't think i'm gonna make it on that trip. He's like, you have to make it. That's what I was trying to tell you. I was able to sequence your DNA and I discovered who your parents are. And she's like, cool. Like, who are my parents that are also dead? And, you know, she's like, are they alive? And he's like, no, sorry, I did that wrong. Your parents are dead, but you have an aunt and her name is Lavana because you're Princess Celine. Dun, dun, dun. Which I think I called him like page four when Princess Selene was mentioned. But yeah. Yeah. I had suspicions the entire time. It's pretty obvious the whole time that she's Selene. Um, and so he's like, so you can you can see why you have to live. Like you can see now why it's important that you make it. You know, he's like, come meet me in Africa, um, figuring some stuff out. I don't know what he's figuring out, but he's like, you know, one person can't overthrow 
Levana, even if you are Princess Celine. That's not how this is going to work. And he's like, but you don't have to do it all alone. Like you've got to, he's like, all you have to do is get out of here and get to Africa. Like, like that's so easy. Like right now I couldn't just go walk out of my house and get to Africa. So I don't know how she's supposed to do it. But like, he's like, that's all you have to do. And I'm like, cool. And then he leaves and she connects her foot in her hand and is able to do that. And that's when she realizes that the guard left the gate or like her cell door ajar. And she's like, well, time to go. I don't remember if we mentioned this early on or not. I don't think we did um, because it kind of got the timelines got a little like messy. Mm-hmm. But when we learned about Dr. Erlen being Lunar, you know, mm-hmm. of course, when she was spiraling, like, why should I trust you and shit? She found out that he had actually worked for Queen Lavana and mm-hmm. that him and his wife had a daughter that turned out to be a shell. And then they had to give her over to be killed. And his wife was very much like with plan with it. And he always had been until it was his own daughter. And that's kind of what turned him against her. Um, he also let us know that um, the shells were actually the reason that the disease is over here in the Commonwealth and in the world, that they were unknowingly carriers of it as well. Mm-hmm. So actually, um, I think, didn't Lavana say that in the middle of the thing to Kai? Like, didn't she say, oh, by the way, yeah, the reason she's part of the reason that let mm-hmm. him you're right that is correct like even more cringeworthy yeah (laughs) like oh she's the reason you're dying or whatever yeah but also he's going to africa because that's where like the first outbreaks were happening so he wants to kind of go from the beginning and try to like get some of the shell lunars there like on his side to kind of help because what we've learned is that there are quite a few (laughs) shells here on earth we just don't know about and they've been using these stolen id chips essentially um to be here and and they're able to be a little and um not as like obvious because since they're not having powers to use they're not going crazy whereas like he is going crazy because he's having to suppress the natural power that he has and we learned that that chip that garen had created blocked her power so it kept her sanity intact by also helping her blend in and never having to use it mm-hmm. so those are a couple of things i feel like we kind of briefly touched but i figured we would just i would throw in at the end yeah for context but to that point dr ellen does tell her that finding princess Celine is why he started the cyborg draft yes we did learn that he admits that it was a horrible thing to do yeah. but it was the only way he could think of to try and find her yeah, because he had learned from the doctor that had lost his mind that did the surgery um, that this is where she ended up in New Beijing. You know, and he had an age approximation. So that's where all he had lead-wise to go on, so. Yeah, and he knew she would be turned cyborg because of her injuries in the fire. So yeah. there was a fire, and then that's when she became cyborg, and they, like, stuck her. A lot, a lot of the process in that book. It was very good, but I think, I like, I literally think the cringeworthy ending is why I didn't immediately pick up Scarlet. Yeah. Because I was just like, I was so excited like to get to the ball and I'm like, I know how this story goes. Like I've read this story a thousand times. I know of Cinderella. And then it was so horrible. And then I was like, huh. And so, and then in the book, not in the audiobook, I determined, but in the book you get like an excerpt from Scarlet, which is the next book. And all I remember is that like Scarlet is like watching basically the horrifying events of the ball unfold on the news broadcast. And she like kind of feels bad for this girl that's just like 
so embarrassing. So I know like that's kind of where that picks up, but it just, it wasn't enough for me to pick up the next book. Also we're in, you know, book clubs and the book clubs were moving on with different books too. So, um, it's hard for me. Definitely. Like I have a book that I've had for over a year that I haven't read that I've wanted to read. I just don't always have time, but so I'm excited to read Scarlet. I'm excited to see where Cinder and Kai is going to go. Um, their stories and all that stuff. So, but it, the ending is just so cringeworthy. So that of the four, not fairest of the main four, I feel like Cinder is probably my least favorite. I I like Cinder. For me, I don't think of them as individual books because they mm-hmm. work so well together. They are continuations. Like they introduce a new character and that's like the focus, but the other people come brought into it. Yeah. But I can see how if you stop after Cinder, it would be hard to pick it back up. I mean, I, you know me, I listen to everything on Audible, so I do it really quick. It's I'm listening to it while I do stuff. And I binged all of these in a week. I read the entire, or listened to the whole series in a week. And it's just, I, it's so good. Honestly, I yeah. think I even like it better than A Court of Thorns and Roses. Ooh, I know. That is a bold statement. That's a bold statement. But I'm excited. So I'm excited to like, I'm glad that we're doing this on the podcast because it's brought me back to this series. And I know that, especially the second time around, like the cringy ending is why I didn't continue. So what would we rate Cinder out of a five-star rating? Maybe like a three and a half. Ooh. Maybe a four. Definitely not a four and a half for me. I mean, it was good. It's going to be high. <laughs> and I'm usually low. I'm going to say a four and a half. Okay. I was going to say a four, like four was my low rating. I was going to maybe do 4.25, but I think I will do a four because that should bring me to a four. I'll settle on a four with this one. All right. We're coming up to a four for Alicia here. It is. I mean, like I said, knowing the other books, like I said, Scarlet's probably my favorite of the next ones. I just really enjoy her character. And so it's a lot of that, but um, yeah, I think you'll enjoy it. We're studying this book. Yes. On book merits. Yes. Four is sufficient for me. Or sufficient. Well, okay. Well, I'm excited for Scarlet. So thanks everyone. Join us next time. We're going to talk about Scarlet and Alicia can give it a five stars because I feel like that's where that's going because it's our favorite book. So <laughs> we'll see. Awesome. All right. Well, thank you guys and uh, for joining us and have a great day. Bye. Thank you. Bye. Thank you.